Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. We've got some great speakers today like Amelia Antonetti, a human behavioral expert and a creator of the Genius Key. Dr. Rowe, Brian Benstock, and many more champions are on the stage. Glenn Lundy believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So pull up a seat and let's get joined in on Breakfast with Champions. Good morning. Morning. Yeah. Wow. Grand what rising. Is grand rising, Renita. Grand rising. Darius, I mean, I'm loving this and I am absolutely happy to keep it going. I mean, um, Tony, I saw you flash your mic. Did you have a question? Or were you just saying? Yeah, no, I was, well, I was clapping, but I was saying it's just so important that the the culture uh, of the company, the the values uh, that and the core values that people stand for, and knowing, you know, it's important to for everyone in the organization to know what the core values actually of the company are. I had a friend of mine that uh, if you would ask any employee after the second time of them not knowing and being able to repeat them, he would actually get rid of them uh, because it's so important to have that culture of being able to to go in the same direction. It doesn't matter what job you're doing, right? You've got to be proud to be where you are. Uh, and so I thought that that was just a, a great, a great part. So I was clapping for it. And I just, uh, just wanted to, you know, jump in and say that as well, that company culture and, uh, and our own culture, how we live our lives is so, uh, pivotal, so important because it's who we are. It's who our company, what we stand for, what we represent. And that's how other people show up based on the standards that you as the, as the leader of the organization, as the leader in your, in your life, how you show up is how other people show up around you. So it's a really important part, man. So Darius, that was amazing. You know, I wish I had jumped in early enough or earlier, I should say. I, I just came in about 15 minutes uh, uh, to the top of the hour. And uh, yet yeah, it was it was amazing. So thank you for, for, for sharing that and for opening that up. But yeah, culture is everything and um, just keeping to uh, our core values. So many people violate their values to, to, to get what it is they want right now. Um, and then that winds up being a regret later on. So just, uh, yeah, so just want to chime in and say that. So thanks, Darius, for uh, for showing up and for sharing today. And Brielle, thank you for letting me chime in. Absolutely, Tony. You know how fond I am of you. You always have such an amazing contribution to every room that you're in. So thank you for being here. We value you. Jaylissa, you had a question. Is that right? Yeah, thank you. Uh, are we allowed still, still allowed to ask Darius question? I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just um, wondering, like, how did you come up with your core values? Like, how did you land it on those? Because I think core values is so important, but the most difficult part is coming down to what are your top core values? Because there's so many out there. Yeah, you know, in my book, I have, and and anyone that goes to my website and signs up, there's there's a there's a worksheet that I built. And it's just a, a list of 105 values. Um, and, and I spent an extensive amount of time really looking for what are words that represent most common values people. I, I was like, what are every single value you can think of for the most part? And, um, and so I, I, in the book, there's a process where you eliminate, you really start eliminating until you only have five words left. Because, uh, Jalissa, to your point, core values, you know, they're, they're they're the most important things to you. We talked about that earlier, but they have a hierarchy to them. 
And so what, what you really want to do is narrow down to, you know, your top five or six. Uh, there's a book called Built to Last by Jim Collins and Jerry Porras. And, and they did a study of visionary um, companies uh, in the 19th and 20th century that had values. And what they, what they figured out was they stood for no, no, more than, no more than seven and no less than three. If you look at the most visionary companies of, of the last century. So I, I like five, four, five, six. Like that's, that's a good number because it's pretty easy to remember. Um, and, and, and at some point we stand for, you know, we, we stand for lots of things, but what's most important to us. I mean, yeah, I got core value number 23 matters, but not as much as core value number four. Right. So, so yeah, my book, uh, I have a work, I have a worksheet in there that you can get just if you buy the book, you get it for free. So yeah, go, if you go to the real you can sign up or if you buy the book, it's in the book. Ask a question of Darius. Yeah, go for it. So Darius, this is Gary Henderson, buddy. I have to know what's the best pizza you've had so far this year. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. For those of you guys that don't know, I'm, I'm a, a pizza fanatic. What's up, Gary? Good. To, good to see you, my brother. Good to um, hear your voice, buddy. Yeah. Great, great, great to hear your voice too. You know, I've been locked away in Austin because of this COVID thing. So I haven't had a lot of amazing pizza, but I did. I probably the, my, my, best pizza has been the one I've made myself. I make pizza every Friday. So uh, I'm going to take credit for my favorite pizza. But um, no, it's, I, I can't wait to get back to San Francisco. My favorite pizza in the whole world is, is in San Francisco. It's called Pizzetta 211. So I'm going to go. I'm going to be there in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go have a slice of their pizza. Thanks for asking, though, man. Good, good to hear your voice. All right, guys. Anybody else have a question for Darius before we transition? Yeah, Credit Ninja, can I jump in? Yeah, Leanne, of course. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, you know, Jalissa made me stay up so I could go to this show and, <laughs> and watch some guy with a pink bubble around his head. Darius, it's been a hot minute. You know, we started on this app together. And I really like uh, what you had mentioned in the Facebook uh, interview. And I haven't really logged into Facebook for like months. So she made me log into Facebook. You know, Jalissa, you're just such a brat. But anyway, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> and Glenn, of course, that's the first time I've seen your show. But Darius, uh, you made mention about core values. And I really 1,000% agree that a company is, you know, strong or weak based on their core values. But I also believe in, like, when you assess getting involved in a company, like Glenn said, you know, they also look at the, the players that are involved, like the main operators, what are your thoughts on um, like investing in those type of companies and growing and collaborating? Because it's really hard to collaborate when you're not on the same page. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's really interesting. So I had this opportunity. I'm not going to name names, but it's 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 a it's an influencer that is really a big person, and and they had this invest they they were involved in this investment opportunity, and. And I was not aligned with their values of, of the person who was doing this really big investment opportunity. And, and I, my decision for not investing was because I said, I don't, I don't think we share the same values. And that was it. It was, it, it was, it was actually fairly simple for me because I'm, I don't, I can't invest in so in something because when I put my money into something, if you want to know if you believe in something or not, see if you're willing to put your money into it, right? The minute you cut a check, it means that you believe in the person or you believe in the, the idea. And I want to believe in both because if you look at most businesses, 
there's a great book called The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. And when you start to read that book, he basically says that clients don't, you know, your customers don't know what they want. And most ideas never end up being what they, they start off as. So you're really betting on the person who's running it, right? When you're betting on a business, you're betting on the leadership team, you're betting on the CEO, you're betting on the, on, on the, the organization, you know, and, and really organizations, it's a bunch of people showing up and doing work, right? And so for me, I'm like, I can't put my money into something if I don't share the same values as the person, or at least I believe in this. Uh, they can't be in conflict with me. We may not have the exact same values, but they can't be in conflict. So for me, that's that's actually one of the, when I do, I invest in a lot of businesses and I invest in a lot of different uh, uh, funds and, and stuff like that. Um, if I'm, if I don't have a core value, if there's a core value misstep or misalignment, I don't cut a check. It's not even, I don't have to think hard about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that person and I don't share the same values. That's not happening. So for me, it's really simple. I have to, I have to. We have to have at least, a, there cannot be a conflict at a minimum. And I much, much prefer that there's alignment. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a table stakes for me. Wow. And uh, just to add to that uh, Credit Ninja here, um, my favorite pizza in Vegas is at the Cosmopolitan. <laughs> it's a hidden like hole in the wall. Like a sec it's called the secret pizza if you ever come to Vegas. I have some of my buddies coming out, Nate, Jalissa. And Hannah's coming out to Vegas in a few days here. So if you have oh, a invitation, what, what, Brielle? Is that an invitation for all of us? Yeah, come out. Um, it's but, like, but uh, anyway. Yeah, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but, Darius, we'd like to see you more often on this app. Uh, we had to send out a search crew for you, but I guess Glenn found your ass. So come back again. <laughs> yeah. I'm done speaking. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, thank you. Now, I, I will, I'm going to, I will take you up on, I will take anybody up on pizza, the best pizza in their town. So Credit Ninja, I'm all over that. And I have taken a small hiatus from Clubhouse, but it's really wonderful to be back to see all you guys. So thank you. Darius, I love what you said about the the people that you're invest, investing in. I think that also applies to your friends and family, your close ones. If you know your, I think core values is so understated, but when you know someone else's core values and it doesn't align, that that's a lot of friction that causes a lot of problems down the road. It's not like personality or whatever issues, um, or, you know, it's, it's really come down to uh, core values because I, so I, like it's really important when you make a friend or or even with your family just getting to know what other people's core value like what what do they value these are questions that we never ask and i think it's really important even like beyond work yeah you you know you uh Jaylissa, you're making a really good point which is that you know uh, everyone's gonna have a different set of values i just i was just in south dakota i just got in like literally yesterday afternoon from, from being in south dakota i was building a bank's core values and, and rolling them out to you know 150 other team members and in the process of doing that, you know, we saw that lots of them had different values. But going back to what you just said a second ago, if I'm if I'm like, like, there's going to be values that that I don't, yeah, we don't share the exact same values, but there's values that I'm like, that's non-negotiable. Like for me, if someone is is not a generous person, and generous not in the sense of like giving money away, but with them just generous in of themselves that's kind of a deal killer for me. Like, I don't love, I don't enjoy, I, I might go have a beer with that person, but I'm not gonna like really invest in that relationship because I don't like to be with cheap people. I don't want someone that's gonna like look at every little thing they give and expect something in return. Like that's not, that, that's not cool for me. So for me, generosity is a big deal. I, I'm generous in multiple different ways. And they don't have to be generous again in the sense of giving everything away. But if someone is stingy, 
that's a deal killer for me. That's something where I'm like, ah, yeah, they're all right. But I, I don't want to, I don't want to invest because time is one of our most valuable assets. So yeah, it's a big deal. Like, like when we start to get really intentional about what our values are, then you start to see a ma- you become a magnet for those that share and it becomes something that really deflects people that don't share your values, but you got to be super intentional about it. And that's, that's what my book and everything does. And I, and I'm all about it. So I appreciate everything you just said. Thank you. Darius, can I ask a question? This is Dr. Connor here. So listening there and um, looking at your website. So the core values, are, like I'm in Europe here as well. So I'm just intrigued about core values are the best decisions when the answer isn't always clear, maintaining a strong, and consistent culture as the business grows and attracting and retaining the best talent again for the culture but ethos then would be something like the spirit of a culture the uh, community has manifested by its attitudes and aspirations what do you see or is there a difference between core values or ethos of a country or uh, of a company or does one lead to the other what what do you think of the difference if there is one yeah, I, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't get too caught up in the nuance of, of the words, even though I'm like, I'm a word warrior. Um, I, I think of it really simply as this, your core, the core values of an organization are, is the personality of the organization. And it's a conglomerate of, of all the different people that are there. So uh, companies don't have core values, people have core values. What the intention of the business needs to be is to say, this is what we stand for so that those that agree with it can show up and show up as whole and know and understand where the guardrails are. And, and, and at the same time, going back to what I said a second ago, to deflect, to push people out that don't believe in the same beliefs, not that they're bad people. It's just that they're not a fit for this organization. So I like to think of it as personality. Like my dog has a personality. My dog is a maniac. I love him. He's got a personality. Your company has a personality. Your organization has a personality. The core values creates the box and says, you're either in it or you're not. It's black or white. It becomes very, very binary. And then you make all your decisions off of it. And when you start doing that, it attracts those that that like that. And it detracts those that don't. And, and I make it really as simple as that. Hopefully that helped. So basically the relationship, like if a person starting a company, the first person they hire must be extremely important to build, you know, to make sure you get on with that person and that you have that same chemistry as such for that future culture. Oh, oh, without, without question. So think of it again, if it's a personality organization and there's two people, 50% of the personality of that organization is the other person. So you can't, it can't be 50% one way, 50% the other. It's gotta, it's gotta be synergistic. So for me, it's, I got a thousand people, you know, I mean, there's, there's different, it's weighted based off of the strength of their personality. But, but the reality is, is that each person adds to that cocktail of the personality of the organization. And when we start to get it and people are are in the audience or people on stage are going to probably, this is going to be like a, a light bulb moment. When you start to get that cancer, when someone shows up and the cocktail of their personality is totally at odds with the organization, it stands out like a sore thumb. It's it, it can start to essentially uh, infect those around them to be to, to 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 start to gravitate maybe away from what they are, and that becomes a cancer for the organization. So for me, it's if I see it, it's it's gone quick. It's not it's it's not a negotiation. It's got to be aligned. It's got to be synergistic. It doesn't have to be that everyone has the same values. They just can never be in conflict with the organization. And that's that's just table stakes for scale. So hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. Cocktail, all the different ingredients and different personalities must must mix well, but also pizza, like you said, 
all the different ingredients. So thank you so much, Darius. Welcome. Hi, Darius. My name is Kimberly King. I'm in the red somewhere on the app. Uh, and you mentioned about rolling out, you were working with a bank recently and helped them do that process of identifying their values. And I'm, I can't count how many hundreds of times I've done that exercise as you have. And when you ask people to write down their values, um, and there's common, you know, around the country and around the world, actually, there's a survey that shows values around the world and you see what we share in common. But what I find is that a, a lot of people don't actually know how to state their values. So that exercise matters. But on another level, the real um, test is not what list you can make, but what values you live. Because I rarely met anyone in any group or any individual who didn't say things like honesty, um, uh, integrity, things like that. But in business with them or in life, you would see that they might be willing to say anything to get a deal. They might be willing to cut a corner that you would never cut in order to get a win or make a dollar. They would never write that on a paper or on a website and very few would ever even ingest, say it out loud. So for me, the acid test is how you live your values, not how you list your values. And um, if I could, I'd make a test that would somehow a litmus test and you put your finger in it and I could tell or something. But you can't tell automatically, except that I do believe in the power of discernment. And I do believe in taking a little time on the front end to see if you can sense their values, which will leak out in their conversation and in their backstory. And in just, you know, a little bit of the sharing, because who we really are comes out of our pores eventually. Um, and I'm writing a book now on the power of conscious uh, alignment. It's all about values is the compass. So I'm interested to hear from you. You know the exercises, you know the words. Is there any other tips you can give for me and others about how you can get a sense of someone's actual lived values? Not what's yeah. on the website, but what's in their heart and in their actions. Yeah, yeah. Talk is cheap, right? So I can tell you, you know, you just made a really great point. And, and, and I forget, what's your name again, ma'am? Oh, okay. Um, so it's Kimberly, it's Kimberly. 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 Okay, great. Kim, Kimberly. So, so, so Kimberly, you asked a really important question, which is, you know, look, talk is cheap. And what, what I'd say to people is, look, if you want to really get to know people with how they are, you've got to go, get, go be with them and spend time with them. And, and so, you know, it, it to your point, it comes out of their pores over time, but a, a, a mentor of mine, you know, I was, when I started my last business, I went and presented in front of this group called WPO, which is world presidents organization is a bunch of essentially elders. And, and I said, look, I'm thinking about getting in, in the business with someone I, that I don't know that well, which if you really want to, you know, you need a core value alignment it needs to be around in a business partnership. Right. And they said, you know, Darius, you should go on vacation with this person. You should actually take like a weekend trip with them and their family and their wife and with your family and your wife. So you could just see them casually, how they interact in the world around them. How do they talk to people? How do they talk to their children? And I know a person actually that used to do this where they would always take people for their uh, job interviews. They would take them or for business partnership, they would take them to lunch. 
And what they would do before the, the, the lunch, this is an amazing practice, is they would pay the waiter, waiter or waitress to mess up the uh, the person's order. They, they would say, here's, you know, 20 bucks, I'll give you another 20 bucks, but I need you to mess up their order. And they do this intentionally because they'd want to see how they reacted to that person, how respectful were they to the, that person when things went sideways, something as simple as messing up their order. And they said that they would always leave that meal and having a much better understanding of how that person treated other people. And that's a, a represent, that's a, probably one of your biggest representations of your values in a way that's selfish, like how oh, I mess up my lunch, you know, something as, tri as trivial as that you'll see people's true colors come out. You'll see them hammer that person. You'll see them be gracious and kind to that person and be patient with that person. You, you'll see their values in action to your point, Kimberly. So I do think you need to figure out ways to get people out of the, out of the uh, environment of, of interview, if you will, where people put their best foot forward. You know, I always say that nobody tells you on a job interview that they are, have a mediocre work, work ethic and mediocre integrity. It shows up over time. So you got to get them out of their comfort zone. You got to get them, you got to get some behavioral aspects around. This is why multiple interviews work in jobs. This is why taking people out for drinks, even if you want to be as sneaky about it and go pay a waitress to mess up their order, but, but you want to get them out of their comfort zone. Uh, I love, I love what you just said. All Hi, right, Darius. guys, I love it. So um, on that, Darius, it is incredible to meet and connect with you and everyone, I hope by now, you have clicked on his head so that you can learn more about uh, Core Values, his book, and what he does. It is the top of the hour, so I'm going to be passing this segment over, um, but I want to give you an example. Okay, before we end, and that example is the core values here at Breakfast with Champions. For those of you who are just joining us, welcome. This is the Millionaire's Breakfast Club. We're here every single day, Monday through Friday, from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, the really fun thing about Breakfast with Champions is that we are obsessed with starting your day correctly. We understand that we want to make an impact not just a regular impact, but a massive impact on your life. And to do that here at Breakfast with Champions, we educate, motivate, and inspire. And so because those are you know, some of our core values, things that we align with, even in the midst of the transition of the segment, I understood that there were still questions. People were still being educated. They were still being motivated and they were still being inspired. So rather than take time to do my content, we then continued the segment. And the reason I give you that example is because one of the core values here at Breakfast with Champions is making sure that everyone at the table has not only a seat, but an opportunity to learn. That interactive space is so important to us because you matter. And it's really one of our, again, core values that we take the time to make sure that if you have questions that you're served and it's one of the most unique places Point. here on clubhouse so uh as i turn this over i just want to say thank you all for being here i'm so excited that we had this time to learn together and i believe i'm handing it over to brian is that right yes brian and michelle good morning brielle what a good morning michelle i didn't see you i saw brian pop in but I was scrolling. I was, 
It was like, wait, perfect. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, it's bright yellow, so I should have seen you, but you're above me. And I think I was looking, I scrolled down. So that's what happened. Good morning, Michelle. Take it away. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I love what you just said, Brielle, because it is so important to myself and Brian and every segment that we do that our audience, our other moderators, that you're able to walk away with actionable advice that you can put into place today, right? Not a week from now, not a month from now, today. And so a few weeks back, uh, we decided to transition our Friday segments into Fitness Fridays. Um, As many of you know, we embarked on the 75 Hard Journey. A lot of us are doing that together. And um, I've gotten a lot of questions over the last few weeks about how I lost so much weight in such a short amount of time. Uh, Through today, I've lost just about 115 pounds since May, I'm sorry, since November of last year. And um, I did it through diet and exercise. That's it. Like there were no fads, there were no gimmicks, there were no pills, nothing like that. It was purely diet and exercise. And so when I get these messages, it's really important that when I'm putting together my segments, that I'm answering the questions that we get throughout the week um, and giving you guys tips that you can use today to help you start whatever journey it is that you are setting out on. So good morning, Brian. How are you, my friend? I'm great, Michelle. Good to, to hear your voice here on this uh, nice, cool, crisp fall type day in New York. It's about 60 degrees and really beautiful, just pure gold. It is about the same here in Colorado. We had like 50 mile an hour winds yesterday and this morning it's complete calm, but it's in like the upper 40s. So (laughs) this has been a weird year. I tell people in Colorado, like we don't actually have summer. We have like fall and we have almost winter and then we have winter and then we're lucky if we get to spring by mid-July. So (laughs) it's kind of nice though. Makes it great for working out because there's no humidity. So uh, that's that's kind of a nice thing. So super excited to hear your voice as well this morning. I am going to jump on into this. And again, as always, when we give these fitness and health tips, I do always want to begin this with a disclaimer. Brian nor myself are not, we are not doctors, we are not nutritionists, we are not uh, health experts credentialed in any capacity. Uh, Each of us and and all of us, in fact, that are doing the 75 Hard Challenge, uh, we're relaying results to you that we have gotten and things that we have done that have worked for us. So please always make sure before you jumpstart any diet, fitness, weight loss program uh, that you are physically able to do so. Um, and that you don't have any ailments, you know, that could prevent you from doing that. Always consult your doctor. Uh, I by no means want to get a message that said someone fell over of a heart attack because they took my tips. So that is the disclaimer that I put out there. But we are going to jump in this morning on seven weight loss hacks. And these are just little things that I did. Um, I think a lot of times what happens, we struggle, especially if we're trying to embark on a weight loss journey. We don't see those immediate results and that can be, you know, it can be disheartening, right? You, you spend a whole week working out and, you know, you think that maybe you're eating right, but you're not tracking calories, macros, things like that, that are actually going to give you those results. And then it gets all the way through and you're like, I've gained a pound, right? That's actually what happened to me this week. And I, I want people to understand that when you embark on, on any kind of a journey like this to lose weight, like it is consistently up and down, right? I gained five pounds this week and I think most of it was water weight. Um, but like tomorrow I will get on the scale and I'll probably drop another four. So it's, it's very important that you understand that 
weight loss looks like a roller coaster. It's up and down and up and down and up and down. No matter how dedicated, committed, you could be eating the same exact diet, you can be drinking the same amount of water, working out the same, all of that. But there are various factors that will cause you to gain a pound or two. So you can't get discouraged by just looking at that number on a scale. That's something that I really wanna get across. I remember distinctly when I first started this journey, calling my trainer in tears. And I said, I don't understand. I've done every single thing you've told me to do and I've gained four and a half pounds. What is going on? And there are variable factors. You know, you could need to use the restroom. Uh, you could have, you know, retained water. Um, you know, you could have gained muscle. There's all different reasons. So understand through this journey, if you're going to embark on it, that you have to set up realistic expectations and you have to look at things like how are your clothes fitting? How are your energy levels? That was one really big thing for me when I first embarked on this was noticing that after the first couple of weeks when I changed my relationship with food, I had more energy than I'd ever had before. And I do a combination of keto with intermittent fast. Those elements for me, I started listening to my body and understanding what things were making me feel bloated, what things were weighing me down. For me, it was that overload of carbs because at the end of the day, I love pasta, I love bread, um, I love potatoes, like those, that was, that was the thing for me. So I had to cut those foods down to a very, very minimal part of my diet. And when I did things like that, my energy levels shot up. So I just wanna set the expectation before we jump into these tips, guys. Like, understand that if you don't see the immediate progress, like you have to keep going. You can't get down on yourself. So that being said, number one, and this is probably the, the biggest factor that helped me when I was first starting out, um, I was able to drop six and a half pounds my first week. And again, it was likely all water weight. So understand that if you're gonna use this hack, you need to lose a quick five pounds. Maybe you have an event that you have to go to, something fits a little bit snug. Um, this is not like a factor that plays into it because it does taper off. So you can't just consistently rely on this tip. Uh, but number one tip, if you wanna lose weight loss quickly, fill up on more water. That's actually one of the simplest ways that you can reduce weight. Um, it will increase your metabolism and it indirectly helps to burn fat. One thing that I always do before I eat any meal, um, I normally will try to drink a bottle or two bottles of water. Nutritionists normally recommend drinking 500 milliliters of water uh, before you eat. And that will actually naturally trick your mind, your body, and your stomach into believing that you are fuller and thereby you will eat less. Um, so that's one huge tip. And again, if you're doing 75 hard or you're thinking about embarking on that journey, it is for every fitness level. Uh, but that is one of the requirements for 75 hard is that you have to drink a minimum of one gallon of water a day. And that sounds more simple than it is. Um, I, I use a Hydrate Spark water bottle. I'm constantly tracking my water intake throughout the day. But if you can get into that routine of where every single day you are drinking a gallon of water, that's one of the quickest ways that you will see results in your weight loss. It's very easy to drop five to 10 pounds of water weight um, just by being consistent with that element. And Brian, I know, I think at the beginning, that was something you struggled with too, was, was the water intake, yes? Yeah, I'm, I'm perennially uh, 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 dehydrated uh, with uh, a lot of the running that I'm doing. And, you know, I think it's not just about weight loss. I think being uh, dehydrated can lead to a lot of other serious things. You know, you, you talk about dehydration and its relationship with uh, cancer. And, you know, I just, the body has to be hydrated. And I would always find after I'd run, I'd have bloodshot eyes and, that was a, a clear sign that I was not hydrating at all. When I when I started drinking the gallon of water a day, 
I realized just how much water it was and just how dehydrated I was and really um, started feeling much better. I think all the systems in the body uh, that clean the body and keep it fresh and healthy and vibrant uh, are dependent on proper hydration. And, you know, my, my eight cups of coffee or seven cups of coffee a day don't count. Uh, in fact, it has quite the opposite effect. So uh, the, the water's made a, a big difference. The struggle is real with the coffee. I struggle with the same affliction. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee and I have tried to cut it down. Um, but I, I, I'm just like, I'm a coffee addict. No shame in my game. I'm like you, Brian. I probably go through a minimum of, of six to eight cups of coffee a day. And it's important that if you are someone who is a coffee connoisseur like Brian and I, uh, coffee actually can dehydrate you. And I was working on a major project the other day. I just brought aboard uh, an executive VP of sales and marketing for my company. And we were literally binging to train from four o'clock in the morning until midnight. And the coffee was the only thing that was getting me through. And I remember getting up at like 2.30 in the morning and I was so dehydrated. I literally, I, no joke, I bet I drank close to a gallon of water overnight the other night because I'd had so much coffee throughout the day. So if you like coffee, again, like Brian said, like being dehydrated can lead to a plethora of other issues. It's important, you know, that your body stays, you know, lubricated and that you are fueling up and hydrating uh, on enough water, especially if you like the coffee. So I love that you said that, Brian. Going into tip number two, and again, this is something else that really helped me jumpstart my journey, was I traded in proteins for carbs. Um, and that's not to say that my diet is going to work for everyone. Like I said, I do a combination of keto, uh, which is low carb, high protein, high healthy fat, uh, and intermittent fasting. So I actually, uh, I work out normally in a fasted state. Uh, if I'm able to, and my day isn't pulling me in a hundred directions. Uh, but I will usually break my fast at noon with a protein shake. And then I stop eating at six o'clock. I have my big meal around 3 PM. Um, something that's going to be heavy on proteins, heavy on vegetables and leafy greens. Uh, but I limit my carb intake to a maximum of 30 carbs per day. And I found that when I started to do that, Again, my body was naturally just having more energy. It was burning fat because what happens is when you remove those carbs, your body basically gets tricked into burning fat, thinking that that's the replacement. Um, so if you're, if you're producing uh, the, the high healthy fats in your body and it's burning that versus the carbs, that's where I started to notice you know, significant results. So making sure that you're increasing protein rich foods, and this is essentially important too, if you're someone that works out a lot, um, you're talking about ketosis, right? I am talking about ketosis, yes. Uh, but even more so than that, um, having that high protein, especially if you're working out a lot, your body needs that protein um, in order to build your muscle mass, right? So it's very, very important that you do have uh, high protein-rich foods in your diet. It's going to enhance your metabolism. It reduces your appetite. And it also will keep you fuller longer. And that's something that I've noticed really, really helps with me. Anybody else in the stage, like, are you doing keto? Have you, have you experimented with it? What have your results been with keto? Have you found that your energy levels are, are higher? Uh, I would love for any other moderators to jump in if you have something to add to that. Um, Michelle, uh, this is Anthony. I could add it if you'd like. Good morning, Anthony. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am well. Always welcome your insights. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I um I did try ketosis for for a period of time. Uh, it it, it uh, gave me some great results. And then I the second I stopped doing it and like just started eating some carbohydrates, I just 
everything just started returning back to normal, even though I was working out and stuff like that. Um, personally speaking, I, I just, I, I just feel like when, um, I just ate a lot cleaner, um, and still had my carbs, uh, I was, I was fine. Uh, for instance, just, uh, eating like, you know, four or five times a day, but eating correct meals, like good meals that don't have, that are not filled with starch, just like correct carbs, if that makes any sense. And, um, enriched foods, uh, cut down the sugar completely. Uh, the sugar intake was m so minimal. Um, so I, I actually lost like 35 pounds in a matter of two months. Um, and, uh, and within four months I had gained, kept that same weight, but my body was completely toned up. Um, so yeah, I, I just feel like if you eat a lot cleaner and, um, and watch the sugar intake, uh, I think your body just reacts a lot different, uh, and you could maintain it. But with regards to keto, it gave me great results while I was on it, but it wasn't a, a, a sustainable way of life for me personally. I'm Anthony. I'm Thanks so much for sharing that. And it is important to understand that whatever diet someone chooses, that it does have to be sustainable. So for me personally, uh, the keto diet is something that I have sustained and maintained, not necessarily because I'm still trying to lose like a ton of weight. I think I've got about 35 pounds you know, left to go. Um, but for me personally, what I found was in experimenting with different foods at the beginning of my diet, that when I was eating carbs, my body was literally just shutting down. My trainer originally had me on 191 carbs a day um, as part of a balanced diet, clean eating. And, and I think the clean eating element is so essential too. Guys, the, the crap that we buy at the grocery store, one suggestion that I have, um, if I use Thrive Market. I, I buy pretty much all of my food now from Thrive Market. Um, I can read every single ingredient on the labels. It's not filled with preservatives and junk and bloaters and things like that. But if you're going to shop at the regular grocery store, one thing that I was given as an advice um, was to stay in the outer ring of the, of the grocery store because when you go into those inner aisles, that's when you're finding all of those foods that are that are packed with preser like preservatives and junk. Um, but so for me, like I said, you know, when I initially had started out with nutritionist and a trainer, I mean, I I had carbs in my diet. But what I found was that it, it wasn't only not getting me results. I didn't feel well. Like I physically did not feel well. And you know, I still carb cycle once a month. Um, and I will limit myself on those carb cycle days. I usually limit myself to about a hundred, um, hundred grams of carbs when I do that. But I noticed that the minute that I put those carbs in my body, I just don't feel right. Like I, it just, my body for whatever reason, it does not pair well with carbs. So when I do it, um, I, I do it minimally because it's about what makes your body feel good. It's about what's, you know, going to give you energy. And that for somebody may be completely different than what works for me. But I definitely am a, I'm a proponent of the clean eating. Um, if you are looking for some great clean eating food, like I said, I am, I'm not an affiliate of any capacity for Thrive Market. Uh, but I found that when I switched over my food to Thrive and I, I cut out all of those preservatives, it gave me so much more energy and it's allowed me to sustain my keto diet uh, just because that's what works for me. But if it's not sustainable for you, um, you know, you need to find something definitely that, that works for you. So I love that you said that, Anthony, and I'm glad that you're clean eating. That's always awesome to hear. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Anybody else? I do. Yeah, Michelle, credit me. How are you? Good morning. Hey, nice to meet you. Um, what do you think about those ketone packages? I know that these little packages that they sell, um, I know there's a lot of multi-level marketing companies out there pushing it as a as a way to 
know, as a supplement or maybe as an alternative to actually cooking keto? What are your thoughts on that? Is that effective or is that just full of whatever? Never used it, probably never would. Um, I have the same feelings about things like fat burners and stuff like that. I did it completely naturally. Um, I refused to take any supplements or anything like that for me. It was strictly diet and exercise. Um, I, I've heard of some of those products, uh, but it's not something that I would ever put my name to, to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of fads and gimmicks out there. There's a lot of people that promise you these get, you know, get, get weight loss very quickly. There's yeah, these, it's all fake. Uh, yeah, I uh, no, it's, it's literally, it comes down to calories in versus calories burned diet and exercise. And that for me personally, I've pretty much tried every fad in the world over the course of my life. And I didn't get sustainable results until it, it literally just came down to tracking my macros, tracking my calories, eating clean foods and exercising. So I would not recommend any of that MLM stuff, just me personally, nothing against no. you MLMers, <laughs> but personally, I, no, I wouldn't recommend something like that. I agree with this is uh, Michelle. I agree with Michelle. Um, when I lost my my seventy pounds, it was exactly what she said. Uh, many times we want the shortcuts. We want all of the you know the things that are going to get us there quickly, but they're not going to sustain us there. Consistency will, and just know that once you get used to understanding everything Michelle just spoke about. Um, it's second nature. It's like the back of your hand. You don't forget it. So it's not as hard. You just have to push past that, that getting yourself trained and retrained mentally. So a man thinking, so is he. So once you get those things, um, you know, worked out in yourself, like better choices. I put a scale in front of my refrigerator to remind me right in front of my refrigerator. And, and I made better <laughs> choices. I did. And I did a little picture of it, a little meme of it. And every time I looked at the scale, I said, oh, better choice. And then guess what? If you don't buy it, you can't eat it. Hmm. I 1000% agree with that. I had to swap out everything. Like I just avoid, I don't buy any of the junk. There is not a sweet in my house. And I'm fortunate enough to live in a town where there isn't a fast food restaurant for a hundred miles. I mean, it's, it's That's like fair. night and day. Different. You're so lucky. <laughs> not one. <laughs> we have one subway and it closes at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like there is nothing. I live in a remote mountain town of 680 people. And it was like culture shock coming here because we're so used to those quick fixes that are on the corner, right? McDonald's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A. My God, I love Chick-fil-A too, but there's nothing within a hundred miles. So I set myself up to move to an environment of success. And I think that that's important. You don't have to go that extreme. Um, and that was not a deciding factor. It just happened to be a coincidence. But yeah, it, it's all about sustainable results. And I love the fact you said you, you took a picture of your scale. For me, I have a mantra on my fridge and it says nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. <laughs> and I'm not at that <laughs> quote, skinny point yet, but I'm a lot better than I was. And I constantly remind myself, like, if I feel like I'm going to cheat, I remind myself, like, I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to have that lack of confidence. I don't ever want to feel that way ever again. Uh, but again... So all about sustaining Michelle. So, so what, are... what, what about like, so, so what works is reducing like, like that, that stuff that you shouldn't be eating, like just honestly, starch processed foods, like, you know, the bolognese, the, the, like the sliced uh, meats, like those, those things that you get, um, you get from a grocery store. Those are the things you want to stay away from, right? You also want to stay away from things that are just like overly processed food and go for more organic stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, 
and and then the the best thing you could do, just like Michelle was saying earlier, it's all about calories in versus calorie out, right? But there should you should never have a deficit of more than five hundred calories per day. So like if your if your if your body needs fifteen hundred calories, um, for instance, if you work out that day, and you burn a thousand calories, you can never go under, like that one thousand like net. So like if your body needs 1500 calories, but you're trying to lose to just maintain the weight and you're trying to lose, then you, you want to eat a thousand calories. If you burn a thousand, that means you need to in, in, uh, intake 2000 for that day, because you have to make up for that, that workout. Right. But still have that 500, um, calorie, uh, like loss for the day so that you could start losing weight, but not be in, not put your body through starvation mode. Right. So yeah. make sure you, you're, you're, you're doing that, but intake the correct foods, like, you know, the correct proteins, uh, the carbohydrates, carbohydrates that don't have start that don't have starch and like that, that, that like stuff that, that extra amount of sugar and all the processed stuff in it. Right. And then your body will start feeling better and you'll have more energy. By the way, uh, your taste buds change every two days. So it only takes two days for you to get rid of those those cravings, those sweet cravings, those those like um, those uh, fast food cravings. It takes two days, and yes. it takes three weeks, twenty one days to create a, a new habit, right? It takes ninety days to create a new addiction, right? Why do you think AA takes ninety days? Because it takes ninety days to break an addiction, so it takes ninety days to create a new addiction too. So why not that be being eating correctly? Why not that being going to the gym? four to five times a week or, or three times, right? Just for that one hour, just to feel, or doing some sort of exercise one hour to, to make your body feel better. Anthony, by the way, that also, that's cures, great. That, also cures, that also cures depression, by the way. If you work out three times a week for one hour, it, that, that releases stress in your body, which reduces your depression if you're having any. It's a body in motion is a healthy body. Uh, I'm sorry for speaking too long. No. Anthony, it was great because I'm going to tell you what, that exercise habit worked for me. I take my dog out every night and there's rabbits everywhere and she's a beagle, which is a rabbit dog. <laughs> and yeah, it cured some depression. I chase rabbits with my dog every night. <laughs> so that body in motion is definitely a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we check, she'll howl and then we'll take off. So I wanted to add a little nugget to what every, uh, Michelle and then Anthony was just saying. There's a little little tidbit that a lot of people don't know. People say, stay away from sugar, stay away from sugar, stay away from this, stay away from that. But your your liver, your, your organs actually process things in a certain way, right? And people don't know that salt content, which is a major preservative, right? It, it, if you have too much salt, what happens, and you can look this up, what happens is you can't filter, right, because you have too much salt in your body. Your, your liver can't process the trash that you need to get rid of and waste the right way. So when you're overrun with salt intake, it also attributes to the inability to lose weight. So we may eliminate sugar, right? But then if the salt balance is off as well, which all the shelf foods that are in the center aisles of the grocery store that you don't have to cook, that you can just grab and go, full of sodium, full of sodium. So if your body cannot filter, pro uh, filter properly and you're doing everything else right, guess what? You won't lose weight like you think you will. And they say, I'm doing everything right. Oh my God, what else can I do? I don't eat sugar. I don't drink Coke. But... What is your sodium intake? That's another nugget for you. And I'm done talking.
I love that you said that, Michelle, because that is actually my third tip. And the third and fourth ones go really congruently with that. You need to consume foods that are rich in minerals like calcium, protein, and magnesium, because those will actually counterbalance sodium, right? So things like leafy greens, seeds, nuts, things like that, they will eliminate bloat and they will eliminate water weight. And again, it's it's so important that you said that it's not just about eliminating the sugar, you also have to look at your sodium intake. And so I want to talk about the next tip too, because that they kind of go hand in hand, which is making sure that your first meal of the day includes a lean protein, a filling fat, and a fiber. Um, those things that have that will uh, stabilize your blood sugar, and then they will aid you in losing weight. So I love that you said that, but making sure again, it's about clean eating. And you know, Anthony mentioned something about uh, you know transitioning to organic foods, and I, I want to put something out there that's very, very important. Understand how to read a label because there are a lot of things that are on the grocery shelf and we are we are misled into believing that just because something says organic, that it's good for us or that it's healthy for us. Not all organic foods or things that are labeled as organic foods are good for you. So it's really important that when you step into this process and that you're trying to lose weight, eliminating you know those processed foods, the refined sugars, those kind of things, learning how to read the ingredients on your label. I have a rule of thumb. If I can't read the ingredient, it doesn't go in my cart, period. End of discussion. Because those, those things that you can't necessarily read or don't know what they are, they're preservatives, right? They're, they're, they're there to make your food last longer and they are not healthy for you. So it's important that you understand how to read a label and understand that just because something says organic, it does not mean that it is good for you. So I just, as a general rule of thumb, like I said, I, I buy most of my food these days from Thrive Market. It's clean ingredients, one or two things. Uh, you know exactly what's in it and there's no question about it. So I just wanted to, to throw those tips in there. But again, just like Al Michelle said, uh, it's essentially important uh, that you're counterbalancing and you're watching your sodium intake. And again, calcium, potassium, and magnesium, those are three things uh, that can help to counterbalance that sodium intake. So, and I love too, Anthony, that you actually took the words out of my mouth. I had it written down about the 21 days uh, to create a habit, 90 days to create a lifestyle change. And it, and it really is, with any journey, it's about a lifestyle change, right? You can't just wake up one day and go, oh, well, I'm going to work out and eat healthy for one day and then expect that you're going to get results. It's about the consistency. And Brian, you are probably one of the most consistent people that I know, uh, at least in the exercise realm. I mean, you're up every day, you're running. Obviously, that didn't come overnight. Have, were you always a runner or was that something that you had to work yourself up to every day? <clears throat> running came uh, as a... Um... Uh, something I wanted to do for my partner, my business partner, who was sick with cancer. Uh, and that was uh, when I was 46 years old. I hadn't run really since high school. Uh, I, I thought I exercised and I thought I was in decent shape. But the reality was when I started running, it was a whole different level. And, you know, the running really get, gets your whole body in tune and clean. You know, it, it helps to clean everything out and keep the, uh, uh, the fat levels down. And I, I really got in the, the very best shape of my life. Um, after the age of 46, you know, I, I would say, you know, 50, 55, or, or, or I have been my peak, peak, peak uh, levels of fitness uh, and strength and endurance uh, in, in my life. And, you know, I would have thought it was when I was 16, 18, 20, but, you know, I, it's, it's really never too late to start. I think running, uh, you know, 
for me, it was a really good way to get there. It was very good mentally. I think running a marathon or running distance helps you uh, get your thinking clear. It's very analogous to running a, a business in that you've got to figure out how to use scarce or limited resources over a long period of time while you're pushing it. And I think that's, again, to me, that reminds me of what we do and how we try and do it in business. You don't have unlimited resources. You can't keep uh, the, the foot on the throttle the whole way wide open. Uh, otherwise, you're going to run out of uh, those resources. And it's the same thing with running. You can't just go out there and sprint. And it's really learning how to increase what you're doing. And, you know, when I was running uh, at the top uh, weekly mileage, uh, the diet, uh, just seeing the diet was came naturally. You didn't want to blow it by having a, a donut, which is uh, the equivalent of 300 calories, which could be the equivalent of three miles running. Yeah, I was I was more uh, conscientious, and when my mileage backed down, I became less conscientious. So I I try to keep that mileage uh, consistent and taking days off. You know, I from, from exercising, I don't know that it's healthy. I mean, I think there is there are different things you need to do, different body parts you need to to uh, rest. But I I like to be uh, doing something. Uh, physical uh, seven days a week and 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 once you get in that routine it, it becomes pretty pretty easy I think you know your body you, you owe it to your body uh, to do something and that's not to say don't rest that's really important but like I, I've taken up uh, yoga and it's it's been a game changer and that that will constitute one of the exercises that I'll do in a given day and doing it for 45 minutes or an hour on Wednesdays has been really uh, fantastic. The instructor that we're, we're using is, is she's super and she's uh, uh, tolerant of my uh, lack of flexibility. So it's really been uh, good for me. And that certainly is helping all the other things as well. I love that. And, you know, as a general rule of thumb for me, like I am not a runner. I, I have, I will jog like, as part of my workouts, but I am not a runner. You hear about the runner's high and, and all of these these people that run. And for me, like running and Michelle are just, it's not a good combination. But one thing that I did, and you know, when I started out on my journey, I, I was extraordinarily overweight. And so for me at the time, like running wasn't even an option. Like I couldn't even jog for like a quarter of a mile without wanting to collapse and feel like I was going to die. So when I started out, and I think this is important that people understand, like doing something is better than doing nothing. Like you're not gonna be a Brian Benstock level runner overnight. You're not gonna be a Brian Benstock or Eliza Borges in a week or even a month. It's about consistency and conditioning your body to kind of build up to that. And so one rule of thumb that I have, and this is something that I do every single day, regardless of whether I'm doing a hard hitting workout, um, I make sure that I get 10,000 steps in. Like, I don't care if I have 10 million things going on in my day and it gets to be 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. If I haven't hit my 10,000 steps for the day, my butt is out walking. Like I will get my 10,000 steps in regardless. And I struggled. I struggled to get 10,000 steps when I first started. And now I'm averaging upwards of about 11,000 to 12,000 a day. But it's taken six months to even get to that point. And so if you're not somebody that's comfortable maybe working out seven days a week, at least making sure that you get those 10,000 steps in and then pairing that with strength training to build that you know, muscle memory. So I'll strength train three days a week, um, whether I'm doing you know, legs, arms, lifting, core, whatever it is, I pair that. But my rule of thumb every single day is getting those 10,000 steps in. And you will be amazed 
just doing that, if you change absolutely no other area of your diet, uh, anything like that, and again, I'm not saying not to, because again, it's about calories in versus calories burned. But if you just focus on that one, that one landmark, right? That one thing, getting 10,000 steps in a day, and it's easy to do. We all carry our phones around all day, or you can get a Fitbit or Apple Watch or whatever your device of choice is. But 10,000 steps a day, if you set that as your benchmark and you consistently hit those 10,000 steps, I promise you, you will notice results and you will lose weight. And again, sometimes for some people, it literally is about just making one simple lifestyle change, one. And that was that was the very first thing that I did. I'm like, I can't run. I'm not gonna be able to change everything overnight. I didn't gain the weight overnight. But what's one thing that I can do today? I cannot sit on the couch, I cannot watch Netflix, and I can make sure that I get my 10,000 steps in. And that actually is going into our next tip, which is spend 15 to 20 minutes per day exercising, even if it's a walk, right? You, you have to walk before you run, as cliche as that sounds, but it's, it's the reality. If you want to be able to launch a fitness journey, something that's as simple as that, just getting out and making sure that you're getting 10,000 steps in per day, it will have a tremendous amount of result for you in your life. I mean, you know, pair that with, you know, again, drinking the gallon of water. It's little things. You might not be able to swap out or change every single bad habit that has led up to a weight gain for you. But if you start making little noticeable differences and changes, and I promise just starting with that one benchmark of setting the goal, I'm going to walk 10,000 steps today, no matter what, like, don't make excuses. Start with that one thing. Um, it will make a massive impact in your life. So I, that's that's the one tip that if if you do nothing else or take nothing else away from this segment today, get 10,000 steps in. Does anybody else, like, do you have like one of those benchmarks or a goal that you set for yourself? Let's say that you just had started out on a fitness journey. Um, what's one actionable piece of advice or one benchmark that you have that's like a consistent that you have to do every single day or you feel like your day isn't complete. Anybody want to weigh in on that? Scott Simons, are Michelle. you on stage? Go ahead. Like, oh, sorry. Oh, this is Gina Michelle. <laughs> Good morning, uh, Gina. Hey, girl. You know, I feel like you and I are like soul sisters. I've been clapping my mic the whole time that you talk because um, even though it's been quite a while, I did lose 150 pounds when I was, um, I think I was a sophomore in college. I'll, I'll be 40 next week. And, um, and I did, I was able to keep it off, but you know, I remember, I mean, all those things that you're talking about, I remember at 275 pounds, I mean, what the heck, how do you even go up that mountain? It's so daunting. Right. But I would go to the gym in uh, college and I would get on the treadmill for 20 minutes, Michelle, I would walk on that treadmill for 20 minutes and I would huff and puff and get off and be like, Oh my goodness, I couldn't breathe. I would be dizzy. I mean, it was crazy. Now at almost 40, I go on the Peloton every day. I can do a 45 minute ride. I burn like almost 600 calories every time. I do weight training. It's 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 really about just starting and not stopping. And and you know and I know that the key to this whole success um is really having the the discipline mindset people ask and i'm sure they ask you this michelle too like oh what's the secret to losing weight and i'm like there's no secret right just like you're saying you know you have to drink water you have to track calories you have to eat the correct foods i personally am like you michelle where i cannot eat a damn carb to save my life as soon as that carb enters into my body i blow up i retain water i retain weight it doesn't work for me i don't feel good and um, back then, in, in when I was like, I don't know, 20 years old, it was called Atkins, kind of. The keto word didn't really uh, evolve. But, 
but I love, love, love low carb for weight loss. And I agree 100% with Anthony. And I think it was Elle that spoke earlier um, about making sure that the processed foods that you eat are like non that are eliminated from your diet because sodium is a silent killer. Sodium will retain water like none other. And um, you got to really make sure that you're looking, checking the sodium content because so many people are on this keto diet and they're like, I'm going to eat hot dogs and, and um, you know, plastic cheese every day and lose weight. And that's not going to be the case. That's not healthy for you. Whole foods are really the way to go. And, um, and so I agree, Michelle, I can't run to save my life. Brian, I give you all the credit in the world. And by the way, Brian, my husband's Todd Skelton. He, he said, tell Brian, I think he's a rock star for all the running he does. He loves you. So, uh, very kind of him. Yeah. He loves you. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Michelle, I mean, it's just really all about to me having the mindset and, and learning all of the things that you need to do. And I had two children. I gained 60 with one and 50 with the second one. And what I realized now recently is that I was, because of the pandemic, I started having this wine, you know, this glass of water, or two of wine daily. And then I'm like, well, why am I not, you know, duh, why am I not losing the rest it's of the, the it's 10 not the pan- It's not the pandemic. It's those kids, man. That's yeah. <laughs> Now, it's so funny that you said that because that was my thing, too. And I don't think sometimes we realize how much like wine, how many calories we're consuming. That's actually our sixth tip is avoiding liquid calories. Yes. Juice, alcohol, soda, all of that. They're empty calories. And I mean, I I was like, like, I love my Cabernet. Love it. Hater. Me too. (laughs) What'd you say, Brian? Hater. I am not. Why do you have to go there? Why do you have to go there? Love no, but life. I had to I had to eliminate it. So now I, I actually hired accountability coach, a cutback coach. And I'm not gonna take wine out of my, you know, diet because I enjoy it. I love it, you know, moderate everything in moderation, but I had to significantly cut it back. And I was being honest with myself. It's about why am I not losing this 10 pounds? Well, Gina, you're drinking two to three glasses of wine every night. Like get get it together. So I really had to that is the quickest check. way to gain weight, which is something 100%. that I realized. I, I had no idea until I started analyzing it. Like there's somewhere between 150 and 180 calories in a five ounce glass of wine. And yes. it's very easy to consume a bottle of wine. You don't even realize that's that. Like it. I pick easy, just pop it open and it's gone. And there's 800 calories. Right, gone. <laughs> so easy. So easy. So yeah, that's, that's extraordinarily important. And if you're going to launch 75 hard, which is what we were doing, that's another tenet of 75 hard for 75 days you cannot consume alcohol. And I, I'm one of those people, like at the end of a long day, I mean, especially as entrepreneurs, we, we put in long hours. And sometimes at the end of the day, it's just like, oh, I would love a glass of wine. But I've, I've switched it up. Um, I do lemon water um, at, you know, at the end of the day. Another thing that helped me, and again. Uh, no, there's nothing like kicking back after a hard, long day to a glass of lemon water. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, listen. So, again. Said nobody me, ever. I have learned to I have learned to make healthy swaps for all of those things that I really loved and craved. Um, you know, I've switched out things like potatoes for mashed cauliflower. Um, I've switched out all of my pastas. I, I eat Wonder Noodles. Wonder Noodles are plant based. Uh, they have literally like three grams, well, one to three grams, depending upon uh, what type you get, but one to three grams of carbs per serving. I swapped that out, but I found for me, and again. There could be people here that will disagree with me wholeheartedly, um, but I started doing a lot of research on CBD. 
And I found that there were a tremendous amount of health benefits. And so what I've done, I actually have swapped out my wine completely. Um, and at the end of the day, if I've had one of those hard days, I will I will drink um, a CBD water. And the CBD water that I use, it's a, it's a full spectrum. Um, it has 20, uh, 20 milligrams of CBD, full spectrum. Um, and it has the same similar calming effect, but it has no calories. It has no carbs. Um, and it, it gives me that little bit of, oh, I'm relaxed now uh, without any of the nasty side effects or, you know, the, the wine hangovers or any of that. So for somebody that might be struggling, you know, to stop drinking um, or if you do indulge and enjoy wine like many of us do, um, that's something that you can swap out. Um, I mean, you can buy I, I buy a six pack. I think it's like twelve ninety nine online. Um, and like I said, drink one of those and there's no calories, no sugar, no nothing. And it will give you that same relaxation effect. I actually, I know I recommended it to you, Brian. I don't, have you had a chance to try it yet? Or did you ever order it? A six pack of CBD? It's the CBD water. Yeah, no, no. I, the acacia red wine though is still, still works. Uh, peanut <laughs> milk. Wonderful. It's a uh, value. Uh, got lots of uh, resveratrol in it and um, takes the edge off of that salesman you want to strangle. So it's uh, no, I, I, I have not tried CBD oil in my water. I did have a, um, uh, a, a knee surgery a couple of years ago and the CBD oil really did make a difference with inflammation on the uh, on the knee and the healing. And, you know, there's a, I guess you could buy it at different doses. And the top dose was, I want to say 3,000, whatever, uh, milligrams, grams. Uh, and it, it was, I thought it was very, very effective. Yeah. The beautiful thing about these is this isn't like an oil that you put in your water. Um, these actually come in like soda cans and they're carbonate. You can get it carbonated or not carbonated. Um, but they're basically, they taste like seltzer. Um, I personally love club soda. People tell me I'm crazy. Like I could drink club soda and lime all day long. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can buy these, these are prepackaged. They, they come in like a soda can, but again, there's like zero calories, zero carbs. Um, and they'll give you that similar calming effect that wine will without all of the added calories. So if you are looking to make a swap again, I am not a nutritionist. I am not a doctor. I am not a proponent of anything that doesn't work for your lifestyle. Uh, but that is just one thing that I found in trying to swap out the wine, um, that it, it worked for me. So that's just, it's just a tip. And I'm going to go into our seventh tip here. And then I want to, Hey, open Michelle, this, this Kathy, Hey, Michelle, this Kathy, I want to share something with you. Uh, thank you for the invite, Brian. I have been growing my own vegetables in my yard. So if you PTR, I'm down. Uh, that is my garden that I have in my backyard. I have two small ones like that. And I grow all of my things. So every day I juice something. And right now you guys were talking about lemon water. What I do is I buy lemons. If you PTR again, that's exactly how I freeze my juices throughout the year for the winter. So that's my lemon water that I, I, I juiced over what probably took me like two weeks, but I do that. I put that in the freezer. And also you said that you, you try this all the time, but let me show you what I have. If you PTR, I also grow my own cucumbers. This is what I add to my lemon, my uh, water, because sometimes it's hard for me just to drink water. And I drink about maybe six bottles a day. 
and I walk. You talk about watching TV. Whenever we're watching TV, we actually walk while watching TV in our living rooms. So if people can't get to the gyms, that's something that I've done. I just turned 52 and I lost 17 pounds over the last seven months over and over because I was cheating. I will be honest. Yes, I was cheating, but I'm back down to my hundred. I think I'm like 151, but I'm 52 years old. And this is what I do every single day. I juice something and I put it in the freezer. And my one last photo I want to show you, people may think I'm crazy, but this is what my watermelon actually looks like. If you look, that's what I juice. That's how I juice. That's how my family lives. And with that, with us doing that, getting older, it's going to keep us healthy. I'm the Kathy Gray. As I always say, if no one told you today they love you, I love you guys. And I really do mean it. Oh, I love that, Kathy. Yeah, you know, and I, I wish, I wish to God that I had the time. Like, I, I've been growing some of my own, um, uh, like, I grow my own basil. I grow things like that. Uh, but I wish that I had time now that I've moved up here. I'm, I'm seriously looking into getting a greenhouse, but I do not have a green thumb. I, I literally, I'm, I'm awful. I kill plants. Like, it's just, it's not good. <laughs> but that's such an amazing thing to do. Like, if you're able to and you have, you know, if you have the time and the ability that you can grow your own fruits and vegetables, I, I'm a big proponent of that uh, because you know exactly what's going into it. A lot of times, you know, even the fruits and vegetables sometimes that we get at the supermarket, like they're treated with pesticides and all kinds of stuff. And sometimes you don't really know what you're getting. So uh, I think that that's a great sustainable resource um, that you can have your own garden. And I, I love that you do your own juices. That's such a fantastic, fantastic thing to do. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so number, I'm going to go into our last tip here. And I think that this is probably something that we all struggle with. Uh, I know Brian struggles with it, uh, but the, actually one of the biggest tips to weight loss is making sure that you get enough sleep, right? Sleep is as important as diet and exercise and insufficient sleep is a major risk factor for obesity and weight gain. Uh, for me, I'm personally working on that. Um, I tend to normally get about four to five hours of sleep a night, and that's on a good night. Um, I am a workaholic. I have no problem admitting that I am a workaholic. It's a work in progress. Um, but I've, I've honestly found that the nights that I am able to get a little bit more sleep, um, Saturday nights going into Sunday, Sunday, I've had to make it a hard and fast rule that Sunday is my day of rest. Um, I still do my workouts and my walks and stuff, but generally speaking, um, I will try to get in maybe an extra hour and a half to two hours of sleep Saturday going into Sunday and never fails that those nights that I get that, you know, extra couple of hours of sleep, I wake up on the scale the next morning and I've actually lost weight. And I have no idea if it's a coincidence or what, um, but getting enough sleep is really, really important. And it allows your body also to recondition and to rest. It allows your muscles to rest. Um, so I think that getting the right amount of sleep is really, really important. Who else on the stage? Show me a flash of mics. How many of you guys struggle with getting enough sleep? Hey, you? Michelle. Hey, who is that? It's Michael Huey. Hey, Michael Huey. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's so funny. I was, we were, a bunch of us were texting about sleep the other night and um, I actually woke up. I was supposed to be on the show this morning. I woke up and I actually went back to bed for like two hours. And I'll just say this. I just rewatched Glenn's show and sleep is the most important thing. And, and I mapped out my book while I was on a trip of resting. Coach talked about, you know, going away and getting away and um, the, your deep sleep is what's most important. And, and a lot of people don't realize, but if you do look at the research, 
sleep is the most important thing when it comes to aging, when it comes to recovery, when it comes to sickness, when it comes to disease. And what you said, Michelle, is super important. Like a lot of times, you know, it goes with, you know, you wake up in the morning, you slept more and absolutely is a factor of what you do with weight loss, what you do with your vision, what you do with a lot of different things goes with sleep. And what you should really be able to track is your deep sleep and your deep sleep should be somewhere between a minimum of 90 minutes and preferably up to two hours plus. If you can get 90 minutes in of deep sleep, that's what's most important. Your body begins to recover. Like I said, it, it, it helps with your eyesight. It helps with, you know, your joint pain. It helps with blood flow. There's so much stuff that goes with it. And I encourage everybody that's listening to you today. I'm, I'm glad that I woke up and you were talking about this because it's super, super important that we fixate on our sleep. A lot of people don't make it a priority. I'm so glad that you brought this up. I have such respect for you. So thank you for sharing your journey. It's been amazing. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, you know, it, it's it's tough. The struggle is absolutely real, uh, especially if you're, you know, in an entrepreneurial journey like many of us are. I mean, I, I have a really hard time just saying, okay, we're going to put a hard stop and we got to go to sleep. Uh, I, I've struggled with it. I'm still struggling with it. Um, and I think that it's important to understand that, you know, no matter what journey you're setting out to, to launch, it's it's not going to be perfect, like progress, not perfection. It's it's overstated, but it's so true. And, you know, a lot of times people, I think they just look at the end result and they don't see the struggle and they don't see the ups and downs. Like I said, I mean, I gained four and a half pounds this week. I'm sure it's water weight and everything else, but you're going to go up and down and up and down and up and down. It just, it happens. And so I think that it's just, it's really important that people understand that this is, this is a journey. It's not like a one quick fix, just because I'm giving you some quick start tips today, understand that you're going to have to stay committed and you have to stick with the journey. And so real quickly, before I open this up to the audience, I just wanted to give you some natural foods for weight loss that have helped me. Um, almonds are one green tea, um, we're swapping out your like your oils that you cook with. So avocado oil and coconut oil are really good for swaps. Uh, pistachios, of course, leafy greens and legumes. Grapefruit is another uh, is another thing that can really kind of help you to drop you know a few pounds and start to get on that weight loss journey. So, uh, guys, if you missed any of these tips this morning, you can click on my profile picture. Join my text club. It's absolutely free. Uh, I just hired an executive VP of sales and marketing and his number one task over the course of the next 30 days is organizing all of my content into a Google Drive that we can share out with all of you uh, so you guys can get those tips. But I do want to open this up to the audience. If you have a question, if you're struggling, you know, trying to lose some weight, uh, maybe trying to get jump started, um, I would love for you to raise your hand. We've got about 10 minutes left here. I'll go ahead and bring you up on stage and we will try to get some of your questions answered. I've got three people that we're bringing up here on stage and then I'm going to turn hand raising off. All right. So it looks like up first we have Shantice Harrigan. Shantice, welcome to the stage. What is your question? Thank you so much for having me. The tips were great. Um, I am an entrepreneur, so I struggle with the sleep and, um, you know, one of the things I realized is that I need to turn the TV off and I need to turn the phone off. Um, and it's hard to do because you're waiting, you know, you're, you're not sure what kind of email you're going to get or, um, that, um, you know, that distraction, but it's important for us to take that time. So I just wanted to say that I'm working on that. Um, the other thing is I, um, I gained uh, probably 
between uh, corporate America and entrepreneurship, um, about 40 pounds that I'm trying to lose. I started working out every day, but my body is in pain. And I wanted to know that, does anybody experience that? Like I wake up like stiff and, you know, so I stretch. Um, I have like biofreeze cans um, in my office, in my bedroom, because, um, you know, I'm spraying myself down because of the, the pain. But how do you um, manage when you're work, trying to work out every day from 30 to minutes to an hour to um, uh, minimize the pain the, the next day? So one thing that worked really well for me, um, and again, this is not for everybody, but if you're just starting out, I mean, the the pain, the muscle soreness and all of that, that's a natural part. And eventually that will start to you know diminish at the more that you do it and you get your body back into shape and condition. But um, one thing that I did, um, I bought uh, I bought packs of alkaline water. Um, there's a company, I can't remember the name of it, uh, Flow. Um, they make it in like a regular just water flavor and then they've got like ginger and um, hibiscus and some other ones. But um, when I would get done working out, um, I would drink a 12 ounce bottle of alkaline water and that actually helped with my muscle recovery. Water in general, I think is so important, uh, especially when you're, you know, getting on this exercise and fitness journey, because you have to make sure that your muscles are lubricated. So um, I would definitely check your water intake, make sure that you're drinking a gallon of water a day or as close there too when you're just starting out. Um, Brian, anybody else have any tips for muscle recovery and when somebody's just starting out? Definitely. Uh, flexibility. Oh, cool. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure putting in the time there with flexibility and, and, Listen, you're, you're t if you're just starting to work out, right, everything you do is going to be a 100% increase in the effort. So th that's like your reward soreness. And, and I know it's it's you know it stinks when you get up and you feel that, but it, it is kind of a reward. I think Michelle's advice of, of hydrating right after exercise is important. But make sure, especially early on, that you keep that flexibility training. Take 15 minutes or so, maybe a little bit more. Uh, to get those big muscle groups stretching afterwards. And and I, I need to take my own advice because, you know, I, I'd, I'd go to the city, I'd run, uh, uh, get in the car, uh, shower, and then go out to, to dinner with no stretching. And, you know, things are going on, especially if you're kicking it and you're starting to put in some effort, uh, uh, tightening you up. And, and if you don't address that, you're going to pay for it later on, uh, whether that's a couple of months from that time or a couple of years and and i believe me i paid the price for not being flexible yes this is l michelle i agree i was going to say stretching before and after and then old school epsom salt soak epsom salt soaks um are really good it uh, it helps with that muscle soreness and the tension and everything else and so if you have a few minutes it doesn't have to take long it even has has instructions for soaking on the epsom salt it's inexpensive um you get into a bath you soak for 15 minutes instead of doing a shower and it can help with that recovery. I'm done talking. The, the, yeah, Michelle, that's, that's great. And, and, and again, we're going to uh, uh, highlight it. You know, I was running and running pretty hard, had a, a wonderful uh, London marathon in 2016 and really didn't ramp down. Wanted to ramp up to have a, an even better uh, Chicago marathon later on that year. I was training very hard and not stretching. And I tore the fascia. Uh, off of my hip, the, the fascia is that um, what connects the muscle to the bone. 
And I, I can't tell that injury caused a different injury. And it was all because the muscle was actually stronger, but tighter than, than the fascia. And that, 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 that took months to heal. And I'm still suffering as a result of it. So get, get, I, I get out there with that stretching. And I, you know, they talk about stretching before and after exercise and it's different stretching that you're going to do. I, I love the stretching after the exercise because the body's warmed up and you can get a lot more out of it. And there's a, uh, a, a doctor, Hippestein, who talks about holding certain stretches for two minutes, which is very counterintuitive, uh, but two minutes. And then in between stretches, one minute flat on your back. And then the next stretch, holding for two minutes. And it's, it's a little time consuming, but it's a lot more meaningful than some of the other programs I've seen where someone tells you to hold it for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, bounce up and down. That, that's superficial. Some of those holds, uh, and as you're breathing into those holds, will make a big difference in your flexibility. Thank you so much. And I just have one other question. I, I switch out Propel for water, and I wanted to know um, any opinions on that. Yeah, hold on one sec. One sec. Yeah, I, um, I don't really have one. Like I said, I'll do alkaline water, but um, other than that, that's about the only swap that I make. Michelle, can I can I address her real quick? This Absolutely. Isaac. Um, and then I saw Michael Huey. I saw you flashing too, man. Because we we do this for a living, right? This is what we do. If you're if you're having constant muscle soreness, that might be a sign of overtraining. Okay, and if you're and if you're Amen. overtraining, if you're overtraining the first thing you need to do is start taking a step back at least one or two days a week you need to start giving your muscles a break the second thing is if you're having that constant muscle soreness what kind of exercises are you doing every day are you training the same muscles every day because if that's the case you're going to have the reverse effects of what you're looking for you're going to end up down the road and it, you could already be in that phase now you're going to you're going to end up having the complete opposite effect of what you're looking for and when you overtrain your body, you get so far deep, it'll take you months to get out of that hole, right? So just take a look at your training regimen, see what you're doing, make sure you're giving the muscle groups a few days in between, in between your workouts. And also, I, I don't suggest training every single day. I suggest taking at least one day off. Your body has to get that recovery because I'm telling you, you don't want to overtrain. It's better to be an inch short or it's better to be a mile short than go an inch too far. Because when you go an inch too far, there is no returning. If you're a mile short, you can that's always so crank good. up the volume. You can crank up the volume a little bit. All right. So that's that's what I got. Michael, I know you have something. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what Coach was saying. But the, the most important thing is, is you know, I I, I mean, I've the, the funny thing over my career is, is this is one of the chapters I'm writing in my book is about recovery and knowing what's best for you right? Like not everybody can, can train the same and recovery is super important. Like I tell women are different than men, obviously they're built different, right? I tell them to do, you know, shorter exercises, like maybe one day just go for a walk, right? Like a lot of people are doing 75 hard. That was one of the main things that got, that helped Michelle and a lot of people lose weight, right? And some of them are just, my wife just did 75 hard and lost 20 pounds, only wanted to lose 15 and lost 20. But she did days where she just went for brisk walks, brisk ride on her bike. I think it's important that you do that because what you're doing when you overtrain, you're constantly building up oxidative stress and inflammation and you're and you have no way for the body to get rid of that. And I would tell you, like what Michelle said, 
alkaline water is the best thing. Even just a full lemon in your water will will alkaline your water to at least 7.5. I drink 9.5, but 7.5 will do the trick. Hope that helps. Yes, thank you for that. All right, we have time for one more question. I'm sorry that we don't have time to get to everyone. Uh, I see Monica Ricci. Monica, do you have a quick question? Actually, I don't. So if you prefer a question rather than uh, a comment, go for it. All right. Uh, if any of you have, also have questions too, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram in a DM. Uh, Paradise Rodriguez, did you have a quick question? I'm sorry, it wasn't a question. It was um, a response about the alkaline water. All right. Anybody have a question real quick before we turn this over to Amelia? All right. Well, it is the top of the hour. Again, feel free to reach out. You can reach out to myself or Brian in DMs. We always like to get your feedback, uh, but we are respecters of time. So I believe that we have Amelia Antoinetti up next. Is that correct? Yep. I'm here, Michelle. Thank you. You and Brian always do such a great job. And it so inspires me to stay focused on my health. I look forward to you every week. I'm like, yes, stay focused, Amelia. Stay focused. I can do it. One little thing, one little thing. So thank you. Your segment's awesome. You too, Mr. Brian. I'll never be able to run like you though. That's not, I'm not even setting that as a goal, but I am setting a goal to just start to run. One foot in front of the other. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. So awesome. So I'm, I'm so excited. So um, I, my, my focus is always on human behavior and helping people to decode what those patterns mean to time, money, focus, freedom, your career, whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, what that means to building a team. Like a behaviorist is really like my area of genius. And this week, what I wanted to really focus on is I had heard when uh, Glenn was talking to the human calculator, um, and for those people who tune in for Scott, he's always talking about 9999. He loves the number 9. 9 has played such a great role for him. And he had asked Glenn what his favorite number was, and Glenn said the number 8. And there's so much learning in 8, right? And so all of us have patterns, right? Some, Some things... Um, are in the conscious mind where we are, we're consciously creating a pattern. Um, what Michelle and Brian were talking about, right, are a lot of those habits, intentional habits, those routines that they're putting in, right? That's a pattern that you're implementing in your life, and that creates cause and effect. Um, but there's so much more going on in the subconscious mind, right, which is that internal compass, the communication of what are these patterns subconsciously, and then it takes a skill set or it's just something that you need to learn in order to translate what does those patterns mean and then begging the question, does it work for you, right? Because at the end of the day, every single human, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what package you came in, doesn't matter what your family upbringing is, we all have free will. And that becomes the choice to determine whether something is or isn't working for us and then taking those actions to make change. So some of the fun facts um, about the number eight is that eight is the message of duality, um, meaning that 
when you see eight in laws of nature, when you see uh, eight in science, when you see eight in our world, um, if you take it from the science, the splitting of cells are two individual cells that when joined together symbolize eightness, right? So two uh, becomes four, four becomes eight, blah, 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 right? In music, eight is the octave, right? And the octave is the measurement of spiritual dimensional evolution. Um, in China, just one of those little fun facts, in China, when they hosted the Summer Olympics, they were adamant that it would start eight minutes and eight seconds past eight on eight, 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 right? Because they have a big uh, energetic relationship with the number eight. Most of us know eight as the infinity loop. That's what we associate eight with, the vibrational energy of yin and yang, right? The never-ending, never-beginning vibrational pattern. Um, For those people who understand marketing, you know, eight also represents one of the archetypes, right? So there's all types of knowledge that live inside of energy. So if we can believe or if we agree as a unit that everything has energy and everything that has energy is connected, then that means that everything absolutely matters. And that's a sense of responsibility linked to that free will. So what you think what you believe, what you say, what you actually do, not only just affects affects everything, it's everything and everyone, because nobody is alone. You can't be alone if we're all connected. And if we're all connected and never alone, part of the reason why we say there is no solo in success, right? What you do, what your intentions are, are going to help dictate what actually vibrates back to you. And we hear a lot of things about energy and vibration. And my, my goal is to just untangle some of that for you today and then um, leave you with some really good tips and some take-home values and I'll answer questions and so on and so forth. So if everything matters and everything is happening for a reason, then how do we decode what is happening? Because the belief system is that everything is happening for you, but not to you. And in my crisis and conflict work work over the last 35 years, um, that always seems to be the question is why are things happening, right? What is happening? Why is it happening? What does it mean to me? Because it's hard to see from inside the bottle, right? You can't read the label from inside of the bottle. And so when we're actually in our own stuff, it's very difficult to interpret, well, what does it actually mean? But there's a meaning to everything. Nothing is just random. Um, And so when I'm, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to work with all kinds of people over the last 35 years um, and to be able to help really understand why something's happening. Now, the instinct for us from our conscious mind is, uh, unfortunately, we like to throw our judgment on others of what is or isn't happening, what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. But universally, if everything is happening for us and not to us, and if universally things are all happening for a reason, then a lot of times it doesn't make sense to us at that moment why something's happening. And especially when something is devastating, when something is tragic, when something just seems like, oh my goodness, why in the world am I going through this right now? That's what is that unintended pain, the, the vibration of pain that happens after tragedy. But 
most often in the end or during your journey, it starts to make unbelievable sense of why something happened that doesn't abdicate the pain going away. It's painful. True learning, deep knowledge, uh, huge awareness is painful. It's absolutely painful. And then it leads you to a choice to say then what is not the reaction, what is the response? And the greatest leaders, the biggest impacts that we've seen, this is the habits and the behaviors that are practiced. Some of the greatest leaders, they spend 50% of their time thinking, diving in, unwinding the why and how come of things, and then take an action following that internal compass. And so just to share a, a story of a tragedy that had huge impact um, is for any of you, I had an opportunity way back when, a long time ago, I, um, is this 1981. So for those of you, most of you that are younger have, don't remember 1981, but in 1981, there was a, a brutal murder of Adam Walsh. Um, uh, his family was a prominent family. Um, it was an tr- unbelievable tragedy what happened to their son. He was brutally mur- murdered. He was beheaded. That's all they found. It was just a horrific thing that was all over the news. Um, and the opportunity to meet and work with the family. And at the time, of course, all of us would be like, oh my gosh, this should never have happened. This is the worst thing in the world. No, 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 no. You don't wish it on anybody. It's it's a horrific event. But from that event, John Walsh, his father, went on to not only create the Amber Alert, which has helped millions of children, millions of people that are lost. He went on to found uh, a TV program called America's Most Wanted. It ran for 23 years. He helped capture over a thousand different fugitives, um, so many children that were returned back to their families. The tragedy led to what he then says became his greatest work. Um, and his greatest focus, which impacted millions and millions of people. At the time, tragedy, he would have never known that the next chapter of his life would turn such such an amazing, good, solid work. Does it justify it? I'm not saying that to be so. What I'm saying is directional guides, when something is happening, is it sending you on to your purpose, your path, your greatest work? Whether something is known or unknown. And these patterns are around us all of the time. Um, are, as we have dove into science, as we started to learn more about the subconscious mind and its power, it's not just the patterns that we're putting in t- intentionally. It's the patterns that are showing up around us, omens is what I like to call them, that are trying to communicate us to us why we're here. What is our greatest work? Where are the other connections that we need in order to create these grand scales? How do we find them? Um, and, and this energetic work has always been underneath some of the greatest businesses, some of the biggest turnarounds, some of the biggest crises that we've actually gone in to help heal, right? To heal that, to, to create flow in chaos. Um, 
always comes down to understanding the messages that have always been around that you can witness around when we turned went in and for the big Vegas shooting and how to create a flow in that chaos and to do an enormous amount of healing for the people that were there, people on stage. Um, all of it came back to energetically understanding what does this all mean and now what is that response to that. Um, I'm a, I have, you know, intentionally in my world and for people that are around me every year on my birthday, I read The Alchemist. It's one of those books that reground me to take a look at what has been happening on my journey to come into awareness to say, okay, what is it trying to tell me? Why are these things, what are these patterns in my life and what is it telling me so that I'm always staying on the trajectory of living my furthest journey? But in my own personal journey, looking at my own patterns, at the time, I didn't have the awareness. So just for example, I started my first business. I was in high school. I was 17 years old. I ended up selling it at 19. Um, and it threw me, because I'm a geek, I'm a total, total geek, um, I, I probably wouldn't come out if I didn't have to. I really am in my own head and I'm constantly reading, constantly studying. I'm a big technology person. But at the time when I sold the company and because I was so young and at the time being a woman, it was unusual, um, media got a hold of me. And so I ended up being on a show called How'd You Do That? Um, and that led me to then Mornings on 2, which then led me to Radio Disney, which then led me on to an event where I met Warren Buffett. Now, at the time, as a young girl, as a teenager, I had no idea who Warren Buffett was. I know I, I was like, okay, it's like, you know, my father, like I, the grandfather. I didn't know who he was. Um, but I, the interesting exchange that happened between him and I, that influence of him, that knowledge nugget, the wisdom that he overlaid on my life that really started to teach me about how you drive value in a business, the art form of driving value and how to scale changed my whole way of thinking. And that led me to uh, another connection, which led me to Zig Ziglar. And Zig Ziglar opened up another door of self-discovery for me, total self-discovery about how for me to look not only inside of my own mind and inside my own development, but able to take a look at the world and make that interpretation. And I had the, the honor of traveling around with him. That then led me to Oprah, right? And then my work with Oprah, right? That together, she really helped me bring together my different abilities, my different geniuses of my one side of my brain versus my other side of the brain. But did I know that at 17, 19 years old? Did I understand the journey that I was on? Absolutely not. Not even a clue. What I One stepping stone led to another stepping stone to be open and to stay curious, to be constantly asking questions about why is something happening for me? What is this opportunity? What does that mean? What do I have to change? What needs to be developed? And so all of the methodologies of decoding the why and how come for not only myself, for masses amount of people over my trajectory of my time has helped me help others either heal and let go of what's not serving them anymore, but more importantly, welcome in what is theirs to receive. 
And that is what I'm talking about here at this moment is the art form, the lesson of eight. For those people who see eights, who like eights, who, uh, who say that that's their favorite number, the eight, the lesson in eight is the, the openness, the oneness of connection, right? The, the oneness of giving and receiving equally in a rhythmic flow of constant give, give and take, give and take, giving, receiving. The giving part of it is the energy out, the energy which of effort, the energy of strain is the giving, right? Especially when you give with intention. Um, the receiving energy that comes back from that is in the rest and recovery, the recouping. What I have found notoriously over my career is that when I work with people who have a beautiful ability of giving, that they also take off, cut off the infinity loop in the middle because they're not good receivers. They do not know how to receive. And when you have not mastered the skill set to be able to ask and receive, you are denying someone else the gift, the energy of giving. And not only are you making it difficult for yourself in this big energetic vibration, you're also limiting others. And that work I have found time and time and time again, people, especially of great success, have a real difficult time just receiving, letting it be, letting people to shower onto them the same energy that they like to shower onto others. Because when you look at it as you're denying them the gift of giving, the same happiness and joy that you feel when you give and you see somebody light up, why would you stop that energy from somebody else's gift to you? And that overgiving, when you look underneath the pattern of overgiving, it is also usually tied to some type of work of release, meaning insecurities, uncertainties. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I whatever enough? It's usually tied underneath there. And when you can heal there in that work to release the need for accolades, release the need to be um, uh, commended for that giving, when you can release it, it allows that energy to become more freely given, which allows it to then amplify. But the only way that freely giving is ever going to work is if you can receive equally in that same vibratory uh, proportion. And so that's a lot of information. Um, what I would love to do is I, I asked uh, Sean to come up with this sage because I know Sean and I have so much banter all the time about what is happening, why is it happening, what is the learning underneath it, how can we help, how can we serve. Um, so I'd like to chat a little bit with Sean. And then for the moderators on the stage, I welcome you to join in the conversation because we hear a lot of us as we go on this journey to success, that it's not about time. It is about energy out and energy in. Energy out and energy in. And when you can get into that rhythmic flow, you will gain success because that is what is needed in order to have the massive impact that 
all of us were born here to do. So welcome, Sean. Hello. Happy Friday. Good morning. Thank you so much, Amelia, for having me on. Um, I want to thank everyone that is in this room um, to get up and, and to listen to some of this insight from such a wonderful person. Um, she's helped me so many ways, and um, I just want to really explore, you know, the last thing that you were talking about, Amelia, is receiving and, and what that looks like. Um, a little background on me. Uh, I am 52. I live in New York City. Um, I've been here for 30 years. I'm a small town kid from the Midwest, um, went to school at Missouri, was lucky enough to play in the NFL for three years and um, get to the New York City area and, and flourished in business and do all the things that I do. Um, but specifically, um, I love what you're talking about, Amelia, in the sense of just what that feels like to receive. And I'll give you guys a backstory on, on how I dealt with this and how Amelia was able to help me move forward later in life. Um, I, you know, focused so much when I got to New York on providing. Um, I want to basically think that my whole life people came to me for things. Um, if it was tickets to a game, if it was to help them in some aspect, and honestly, it filled me up. It made me feel good about myself, which when you talk about those insecurities, you have to kind of see where that starts. Those things made me feel good about myself. All They're hidden, time. right, Sean? Yes, They're hidden. Yes. The insecurity is hidden underneath a good gesture to say, yes. I'm doing this for you. Actually, yeah. no, you're doing it for yourself. Exactly. And as I got older, um, being once I got to the league, um, you know, there's a system that's put in place where players get an X amount of tickets. So if you had extra people coming, you usually would have to go to a teammate to try to get those tickets because um, you didn't want to pay for them. Um, and so, you know, if there was a, a game where I had more than two or four people come, I would make sure that I would have enough tickets and I would always feel good about it. What ended up happening was after I exit the league and moved to New York, um, it was a different lifestyle and people started to become, you know, I started to become a hotel to everyone in the family. Um, I started to become a hotel to anyone that knew me. And honestly, through my 20s, it made me feel so good about myself because I was the guy that lived in New York and I was able to provide and I was able to do things and I was the guy that knew the information, where to go, what was cool. And honestly, for 10 years, all that giving and not receiving in my end from, from them, I created resentment. And ultimately that took me down. And that's where Amelia kind of came into my life. Um, I suffer with depression. Um, it's something that um, I will always suffer with, but I manage it. And for me in the 90s, I never really understood as an African-American man and as a former athlete what that was. What is mental illness? You know, that's the crazy uncle in the family that, you know, you're not supposed to let the kids around. Um, I didn't understand what that meant. And so that human connection of me being able to un un understand why I felt the way that I felt about myself. There were a lot of moving parts. A lot of it's, you know, obviously how you grew up, you know, some of the things that, that you experienced as a child. And, you know, the one thing that I understood is that your parents can only give you what they have and what they see. It's mimic behavior. And as I got older, I started to realize that the things that I grew up with um, uh, that I didn't get, I was trying to give back to society. And if I didn't get that 
back, I would find that I would live in this space, in this headspace of people don't care about me. How did they come to New York and stay at my apartment? And I took care of everything. I paid for dinner. I paid for every cab. I did all this stuff. And there was all these moving parts and I wouldn't even get a thank you card. I wouldn't get to even get someone to support me if I was trying to start a new business. I wouldn't get the things that I thought I deserved because I felt like I was so good to people. And the, 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 the very thing that you're talking about, Amelia, was um, I didn't understand the, 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 the access that I had created for myself that I was giving to others, and I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, I wasn't giving because I wanted to feel good about myself, but I, I was giving because I felt that I should get something in return. And as and I got so older, that and, and that creates a different vibration. Right. And for people who can be in awareness, you can feel the difference. You can feel the difference when somebody's doing something or giving and it just feels because you can it's an unspoken and I'm looking for something in return or I'm going to do this for you and you're going to do this for me. You feel the difference in the give that it's tied to something else. And that is not the definition of giving. That's self-serving. And we often, like you're talking about, mimic the behavior that we were exposed to. And so if we were exposed to that is what giving feels like, then that is what we expect. But both of that giving and receiving vibrates at a very, very low level. And it's frustrating when you're in that vicious loop because you're like, well, I did something and you're supposed to do something back and that's not happening. And that's vicious, 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 because it makes you feel bad. It's what locks in unintended pain. The next behavior that happens from that emptiness is self-medicating, right? You'll choose something else to fill that hole because you cannot figure out why that vicious cycle feels so bad because mentally you're like, I'm doing the right thing. I gave to you, you're supposed to give back to me. It's a learned behavior. It's a learned belief that that's what giving and receiving means until you get exposed to a different kind of energy where somebody gives to you freely without any expectation. Now, most people, when they're exposed to it for the first time, they're like, okay, so what's all this about? Like, why are you being nice to me? What, what do you want? Right? Because that's the suspicious behavior. And these are the patterns that I am talking about that you have to identify, right? Even Sean, when you and I first met, again, we're going to date ourselves going back a long time, right? Is I automatically could just see your brilliance beaming out of you. And I just wanted to do anything I could do in my power to let you see the reflection, see how I see you through my eyes. Let me be your reflection because I can see your light. And it was awkward because you're like, who is this chick? What does she want from me? Right. I think that's, that's so important what you said. It, it's really, you know, my, my thing was having an understanding of what I was doing and, you know, basically is a form of manipulation. If, if you're giving to get something back, then you're manipulating someone. And I needed to adjust that whole mindset that when I walk into a room and I don't add value and I'm not able to give anything to that room, then I should remove myself. And that shifted my mindset of just understanding opportunities versus me being in the room to gloat 
or feel good about myself because I add value. And that little thing of I'm here to add value versus I'm here to gloat or I'm better than everyone else in the room isn't the right way to look at humans. And that changed everything for my family, even if I didn't feel that. There was some resentment over 10 years of giving, 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 and not feeling like anyone gave back to me. And so for me, you know, I always say, you know, if you spend all day chasing um, opportunities, uh, average opportunities, you have no time for great ones. And that applies to people, that applies to the books I read, to the problems that I get involved with. I needed to raise the bar and basically get around better people that were giving me my value and I was giving their, them, them their value and we were actually exchanging at a, at a frequency that was at a higher level and I didn't feel any kind of resentment. And that took time though. It does. And, and, there's, and, there's, and there's two things of that. Why, one is the skill set to learn to release that bitter, angry, and resentful, right? There is a huge vibration that happens when you come into awareness that whatever it is, one year, two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years of your life have been lived one way and you get angry once you do know. You're like, God, I wish I knew this sooner, right? And you are trying to look in that rearview mirror and that is never a good place to go. You can only show up today differently right? What am I going to do differently? And you must release that anger, that energy that doesn't serve anymore. But if you think you can stifle it down or it's going to go away, it will not. It will get a, become a big knot within you and it will get louder and it will attract a crisis or a conflict. We attract those conflicts. And so what my work is, what my my team, what you, Sean, all of us are trying to help people learn the skills on how to release what doesn't serve. Same thing with people. When people come in your life and they are not on the same frequency to very politely move yourself away from them. And it's always, every time I move my energy away from somebody who isn't doesn't work for my energy, doesn't work for what I'm doing right now in my life, and I move that energy away, there's always a vibration of like, why are you not paying attention to me? I need your time. I need this. And I'm like, nope, I got to go over here because I need to be around other type of people that are doing those type of great work. And you do find those people that are on the same frequency. They've got the same core values, the same type of purpose, really looking for the same type of work to be manifesting. But if you don't open up the space to allow those people to come closer to you because you've surrounded yourself with noise and chaos and all that jibber, 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 right? Uh, Sharon Lecter always says that, you know, watch your tongue. You know, those people who say negative, horrible, not productive things about other people, that act tells you more about them than what they were saying about somebody else. And so, yes, John, I just wanted to chime in there on the lessons of how your journey unfolded. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that I, that I, you know, there's some sound bites for me that I, that are important for me that I always live by. And I wanted to, to, to your point about people, um, you know, I've always understood that, you know, intentions are everything and the people that you meet. And as I've gotten older and more experienced in business, 
Um, you know, I've always said to myself, the patterns of the people around you eventually become your patterns. So amen to that. Amen. That is, yep. There's a, there's a mic drop. That, that, that there's a box check of if I'm going to do business with someone or even in a relationship or a friendship that these things ultimately serve me well. Um, I understand that, you know, the other thing, you know, and I, and I want to tell you this, this morning, tell people when their advice has helped them, Amelia, your advice has helped me. And I think when you're the first to do that, you can recognize the people that are in the room and that are around your life. Always tell the people that have served you well, thank you. And that that the advice that they've shared with you is important. And that's a very good way to ground yourself. Um, And I always say this too, the best way to be successful is to make other people successful. Um, If people don't want your help or they resent you or they're threatened by you, As you get older and you start to look for those patterns, it's a quick exit for you. You won't spend that much time figuring it out. And that's something that I've been able to do over the last 10 years from 40 to 50 is really figuring out what's the intent of this person? Am I being used? And if I am being used, is it to serve something bigger than both of us? And three, um, am I adding value? And does this person respect the value that I bring into a room? So... Those are three things that I wanted to kind of share that are important to me that I kind of look at in any room that I walk into. Um, But going back to what you said, Amelia, about just people serving you well and understanding the frequency, um, I brought that story up in the beginning because I think there's so many people that can't get out of their own way when it comes to feeling, um, you know, used or manipulated or I give and I give and, and, and other people don't give back. It's, you know, it's upbringing too. It's, 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 there's so many different patterns of what people think giving is. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's learned, right? It's yeah, demonstrated it's and it's learned. And so yeah. when some of us who've come out of uh, challenging childhoods, what we have to do is take an analysis of what we learn, the behaviors that we witness, and literally go through and say, okay, here's the behaviors that I learned from my mother or the female influence. This is the behaviors that I learned from the masculine, the male influence. Now, which ones are my beliefs, my value systems, and what is theirs? And which ones serve me and which yeah. ones do not? Just to give you an example. So I, you know, I'm a, one girl out of 11 brothers uh, out of an Italian household. Um, we all were kind of raised in a pack. Um, and, and when you're young, you don't really realize that, you know, we've got many families all packed into one house. Um, you don't ask those questions. I just knew there was a bunch of kids and we all were in the loft. And so we were all like community raised. Um, but being in, in our Italian life, yelling was very normal. Right. So we were yelled at all the time. I was yelled at by my brothers. I was yelled at by my aunt, my uncle, my grandparents lived in the attic. My uncle lived down in the basement. Um, I didn't even know until I went to like a real American white person's house that you people don't keep your grandparents in the attic and your uncle in the basement, that there wasn't somebody who was living, you know, in the bitty. Like I had no idea. Right. I went to my, you know, I'm a blended family. Right. So I went to a first person's home that was a real true American and I got to do a sleepover and I remember going to her room and I was like who else sleeps here 
And she was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, who else sleeps in this room? And she's like, it's just my room. I'm like, it's your own room? You have your own room? I had never seen anybody who had their own room because we were packed in a house. We had that uh, a different type of mentality that screaming and yelling was normal. And I had to take a, an assessment of myself when I got out on my own, you know, which I was emancipated at 15, became a legal adult, blah, 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 blah. Um, to say yelling doesn't work for me. Yelling is, is, does not work for me. And in now, in my world now today, it is a, a, I have a list what's called shoulds and should nots. If I am yelling, if I have to yell to get you to behave, respond the way I need you to, it is the warning side for me that this is an unhealthy relationship. So it literally on my vision board, on my shoulds and should nots, it says, I should not be yelling. The people in my life who love me are the ones who would say to me, Amelia, when you have to talk to that person, you have to yell and it doesn't serve you well because I don't like me when I have to yell. And so even though yelling was demonstrated, even though yelling in my family and with my siblings is acceptable behavior, it is not acceptable behavior for me. So if you yell at me, I will immediately hit delete. Uh, I will remove you from my life because it doesn't serve me. And it's not a judgment to say I'm right and you're wrong. All I'm saying is energetically, it doesn't work for me. Is it because it does a lot of damage and, and is triggering from my past? Absolutely. But in my relationships, right, I just make it known to say, listen, I need you to lower your voice because you are throwing me into a vicious cycle that I don't have all the skill sets right now in my life. I'm working on them for me not to behave badly in response to this. And so the people in my life know, don't yell. Yelling does not serve me. But I can give you a myriad of patterns that happened in my childhood that I've had to remove myself from because those were blockers from me building my business. Those were blockers for me increasing my wealth generation. Those were blockers for the journey that I'm on. And again, no judgment, just we're all here doing different kinds of work. And I can applaud you and cheer you and be excited for the work that you're doing, knowing that how important that work is in the world. But that doesn't mean vibrationally I'm supposed to be part of it. Maybe my role is just to cheer you on. Maybe my role is just to invest in it, but not actually participate in the day in the day. Maybe that my role in it is just to connect you amazing human to another amazing human that I know that it isn't about Amelia. It's about you two. And so I make connections all of the time for other people because that's their work. And it doesn't have to be I-centric about me. It's about the collective we, which was what I started this conversation about, is that everything matters. Everybody is connected. What you think and what you believe, those patterns that are in your life are affecting everybody else around you. And it's in the behavior modification work that you learn that causes scale with every other thing in your life that you value. I love that. Let me add this, Emily. I think it's so important to, um, I, I like that you were talking about what you tolerate versus what you accept. Um, that was something that I had to work on um, as I got older because it was frustrating because I would just exit versus letting people know what I was going to tolerate versus 
me accepting their behavior and working around it. Um, it stopped me. It didn't let, let me fully spread my wings. But um, And it stops somebody in their tracks when you say that. When you say yeah. to them, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. What you're doing yeah. right there, right now, that does not work for me. And this is why it doesn't work for me. It's yeah. causing this, that, or the other thing. That dialogue, most people never have. Most people stay right in something that doesn't feel good to them. They never call attention to it. They don't have the conversation around it. They don't understand why the other person's even doing it. Because I will tell you most of the time when I say to somebody, whoa, 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 hang on a second there, buckaroo. Yeah. That is not going to work for me, right? <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know. Are you speaking to me? Because that feels horrible on my side. The other person usually goes, oh my God, I had no idea. I was in no awareness at all of what I was doing and projecting onto you. Most of the time, the answer is, I didn't know. And immediately, not only do you open up the conversation, A, you start to understand the why on the other side, right. and B, you deepen the connection with that person forever, forever because that's the authenticity the transparency that you hear a lot of us talk about but nobody dies it into where is the behavior that i've got to show up in what's that difficulty that i got to go hey listen that's not going to work i mean i just did this with a client we just let go of a client right very big client um to say the way you speak to us the things that you say about us the way that you treat my team that's not who we are so since you think this work that we do is so easy, we're going to hand you back your suitcase. You go do it. You go build a team. God bless you. Have a great time. We no longer are servicing you. And the client was like, wait a minute, you're not, you're not going to take my check? I'm like, exactly. I don't want your money. I don't want your energy. And you cannot have access to my people. Go hire somebody else. And the minute I let go of the $25,000 a month client, guess what came? The $150,000 client. Thank you. I'd rather work with that person. Not because it's more money. It's because their frequency, the value that they have for us in what we do is exponential. And so right. you've got to clean your closet often for the things that don't fit. And I mean energetically don't fit or you'll never welcome in the receiving of the next level, the receiving of healthier relationships, the receiving without the manipulation, Sean, that you were talking about. Yeah. I, amen, I, I wanted, amen. Yeah, that's big. Oh. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Hey, want, Mr. Glenn. <laughs> I'm just saying that's big what you just said right there. Yeah. Amen to that. And, and it, what happens is the uncertainty, right, and the self-doubt, right, which really is connected to shame, right? right. So in the inner, so the the lowest frequency in the world is death. The next lowest frequency is shame. It's lower right. than anger, and it's in shame the reason why people don't walk away. Why do they not walk away from something that they know absolutely is not so? They don't walk away from the marriage. They don't walk away from the dysfunctional relatives. They don't walk away from the bad clients. They don't walk away from the bad friendship. That's really not a friendship. Why? Because they're like, well, I have this like less than and I'll hold on. I'd rather have less than than having more because maybe I won't have more. And that uncertainty has, is what roots people into holding on to something that you know is not working for you. It is wow. not healthy. 
And if you don't open up the conversation to say, listen, let's just put the elephant in the room. This is not working for you. And this is not working for me. And so let's talk about it and decide what is the best way that we now go on our own journeys because I'm not helping you and you're not helping me. We're in each other's way. Mm -hmm. How do I untangle that? Right. And that often is the work and the conversation that will unleash somebody going, wait a minute, hold on. I actually really value you and I really want you in my life and I'm going to do things differently and let them demonstrate and earn your relationship, earn you as a, if you're a service provider to earn the friendship, how I, and I love to tell people I'm going to earn our friendship. You may not uh, like me in the beginning, but I'm going to earn it because what I try trigger in others, because again, my big life work, right? I trigger that knee jerk re response to somebody. And I have to remind people that whatever vibration you're feeling off to me is about you. It's not about me. It's yeah. about you. Can I say this Amelia? And I, and I, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll fade away, but I, I think for me, don't you <laughs> ever fade away. Don't you ever <laughs> fade away. Yeah, no, Thank we love you. Sean. Thank you. Um, I wanted to say this though, this is what I've been doing in the sense of that receiving, right? Um, I have been very um, focused on being fully present with the people that I'm in the room with or the people that are around me. If I go to lunch, I put my phone down. I've been fully present on what they're asking and what they want. And what's happened for me is it's given me opportunities to be able to elevate others. And it's something that's so simple because it applies to what Amelia's always taught me is that you are who you are in business, in your personal life, in your relationship, with your parents, all that still matters. You don't get to go in and out. And that has created opportunities for me to elevate others. Something as simple as how do I make other people look good? How do I support them unconditionally? How do I catch them when they stumble? Uh, and remind them of what they're good at, right? How can I help them, you know, fulfill their dreams? And, you know, if it's if it's a high school kid, if it's a college kid, if it's a grown man or grown woman, that ability to really focus and that discipline to be fully present of the people that you're with, we're losing, right? Because there's so many things, as Amelia says, there's so much noise that allows you to not be focused on really what you want. And it's allowed me to actually focus more on what I want. What do you want to be, Sean? Do you want to help people? Then what are you doing to help them? And is there any measuring stick? And so for me, it's really about, okay, when I meet someone new, let me be 100% focused. And, you know, I can tell you this. I've met many celebrities and I've had many celebrities shake my hand and look around and I've had many celebrities look me in the eye. And what that does for me is like that moment that they looked into my eye, I felt that I was present and that they truly wanted to help me and they truly cared that we got to meet. And that is so powerful for me. And I just wanted to share like being able to receive, you gotta be able to give to receive. And that's something that I've been working on constantly um, and it doesn't stop. I just wanted to kind of put that out there for the people that are listening. You're awesome, Sean. I just, I so appreciate you and I celebrate who you are as a person and I love how you show up in the world. So thank, thank you. you. 
I want to do two things. So one, I want to take um, any questions from the audience. Please uh, raise your hand. I think I have to hit some weird little button to make them the hand raising go up. Um, and then I'd like to welcome in the moderators. But I always want to give, 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 because that is Glenn's value. He gives constantly. So I want to match his vibration and give. And so if you go to geniuskey.com backslash BWC for Breakfast with Champions, we have a gift for you. It will help you analyze for yourself to identify what your energy is, what your vibration is. It's for free. It's for you. The link will be open free through Monday. Um, and there you go. That's our gift. So I wanted to make sure I don't forget it. If you don't remember it, you can always click on my little face and go over to my Instagram and we'll give it to you, but it's geniuskey.com backslash BWC. And I'm going to, if any of the moderators would like to chime in, I welcome my brothers and sisters here on stage because I have such respect for all of you. Um, and then if we want to take some questions, we'll do that too. Moderators. Amelia, my sister. What up, yes, <laughs> Mr. Marcus. Oh my Mark, gosh, another man, amazing Marcus. light in our world. Man, thank you so much. I just wanted to say I appreciate you taking the time to really break that down. Uh, as a coach, it's another question that I get uh, a lot as well about why all these things happen. And so many people get stuck and they just start walking dead is what I call it, like AMC. And I love the, the practical tools that you're using to help people get out of it. But something quickly that you said, you talked about just learning how to release what doesn't serve. I, I hope you guys really tap into what she's saying in this teaching, because that will do more for you than anything else that literally uh, here in Oklahoma City. I'm sorry, someone speaking. No, okay, sir. So I think he, it's an open mic. Keep going, Mr. Marcus. OK, I'll be very brief. So here in Oklahoma City at early last fall, we had something crazy happen. We had a, a, a massive ice storm get in. If you guys don't know, the trees lose their leaves and fall. They let them go for a reason. But the ice storm came unexpected and hit the trees before they were ready. And there was too much weight for the trees to bear the ice. And it looked like a F5 tornado rocked my city. All the trees fell. It was a nightmare. Took them six months to get all these trees up off the sides of the roads. And I say that because every single one of you is one serious situation away from having your entire world be rocked, from having your life crumble and fall apart because you holding on to something that's not serving you. You gotta learn to let it go. And that's why I appreciate my sister for what you're teaching. Thank you for coming and sharing and teaching us the importance of letting go. Cause I don't wanna see anybody's life crawl, fall over and break when it does not have to. Love you, sis, thank you. Listen, I, I adore you. I'm so excited to get to actually see you and squeeze on you, right? Because I'm a big in-person person, so I will fly to meet anybody anytime. Ask Mr. Mr. Glenn Lundy. I showed up on his doorstep too, right? I love that because I am so committed to helping people heal from the inside. And what you're talking about, Marcus, is, you know, what we know about neuroscience is the brain will seek an answer even if the answer is false, right? You cannot release until you understand. And sometimes that understanding is merely just saying you're on a different path than I am. And I just need to release. It's not one of judgment. It's just releasing that it's not your work to do. It's somebody else's. And if you do not release, you cannot fill up. 
you have to release in order to be able to, and when you're talking about that network so that when you're when your trees do fall your network is what you invest vest in to bounce it's not to sell to your network is your bounce factor it's the people around your life that you pour into and you pour into and you pour to and god forbid something does rock your world you know that your network is there to catch you, to help you, to get you back on your feet. It's the bounce factor. And people abuse their network so, 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 so badly. They don't realize that it's a long-term investment. People that I'm doing business with now today are people that have been friends in my life for 20 or 30 years. But 20, 30 years of a relationship before we found that opportunity that like, wow, this is now perfect alignment and we're going to do such great things together. So uh, thank you, Mr. Marcus. Again, I'm a huge fan. Um, Regina, hello, Miss Regina. How are you? Welcome. I see you flashing your mic. Hello. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning, Amelia. Thank you so much. And I want to make this one point for people who have been listening all morning long, that whether it's your mind in your business, like Glenn and Darius were talking this morning, or it's in your body and how we move our bodies, like Michelle and Brian were talking about this morning, or whether it's in your spirit, we've got to know what our core values are because that drives everything. And when we talk, when you hear your friends say, part of me wants to do this, part of me wants to do that, they don't know their core values. And I encourage you to, to lift somebody up by saying, I know the answer. Know what your core values are. Because then you know like you know. And there's no question how you live in your mind, in your body, in your spirit. It will drive you. And I want to say my core values right now are self-discipline and adventure. And thank you for helping me live those this morning. Awesome. That is that is so beautiful. And yes, um, a beautiful, again, Glenn sets the stage for such amazing, amazing, incredible hours. Um, and this morning was, was absolutely that same pivotal, really diving into core values. And when you have clear core values, it makes yes and no decisions so easy. So, so, so easy. Because you know exactly where you're going. It's part of the reason why what we do, one of the exercises that we teach is helping people write their headstone. Because if you know what those final three or four or five words that are going to be what people are going to say about you, the rest of this is easy. And it's that really, really honest inventory of what is it that you really want to be known for. Because if you know what you want the world to repeat, then every other decision that you spend for every second of your energy every day becomes dialed in like a laser beam. Because I know exactly what the first two rows of my funeral are going to say. And I do not live in any fallacies of things that I know that they will not say about me. And that I am perfectly okay with because it's by design. I, is there any other moderators uh, that would like to chime in? I, 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 I welcome yeah, you. I would, Amelia, please. Oh, hello, Coach. coach. Oh, my God, Coach Isaac. Yes, 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 please. How are you? Thank you for bringing, bringing Sean in. And Sean, thanks for your transparency, man. Uh, especially. Oh, thank you, former, Coach. I appreciate yeah, it, Coach. Being a former athlete, man, we, we need more. We need more of that. We need more men stepping up to, to speak up. And the more of us that do that, the more that will speak up when they're inside of that dark tunnel and not just wait till they come out, you know? So it's, it's a, 
it's a thing that really helps. And Amelia, thank you for speaking on the energy transfer and just letting go of the not holding on to lesser than um, until you get more of because I have experience with that and I've seen it happen. And the the money transfer with the energy of the you know the people that you're holding on to it doesn't matter how much money they're paying you that their energy if their energy is bad it comes with that money even if even if they're not directly tied to you their bad energy comes with their money and i would rather have a person give me less with good energy than a person give me more with bad energy because i've seen both in it it's it's just a bad situation so Thank you for speaking on that. And again, Sean, appreciate that transparency, man. Keep doing that. Keep being vulnerable because there's a lot of men, a lot of men that look up to people like you. And when you tell your story, when you open up like that, it makes them come out of their shell too, man. So keep doing that. Appreciate it. Thank you, coach. I appreciate that. Thanks. And coach, just to add to that, uh, that train of thought that you have, when you take money, that you know is not healthy or serving you properly. You're allowing yourself to be bought, bought and owned. No human should be bought and owned. And you must set the value system that that is something that you will not accept. I cannot be bought. I cannot be owned. I give myself freely because I serve people. And if we, you can value what I do of service and I can value you for what our service allows you then to do, do in the world, that energy has to be clean of giving and receiving. One of my big core values that sits right above my office, it says I will not make a bad And I am, I have walked away from clients and let me tell you, it is gut wrenching because there's a part of me way down day. My inner child is going, Oh, what happened if I'm wrong? Right. And I've got to do that work, that work to say, absolutely not. I believe I walk in faith that I am walking in the right direction. And when I let go of something, there's something bigger and, and more uh, abundant for me. That is more aligned for me. That is coming. I may not know where it is coming from, but I walk forward at all times. And so coach, the other thing I wanted to say with you is Michael Huey, who's on here somewhere, he did a talk that talked about um, men in his little men's group that most men do not really have a best friend. And so it's part of the reason why I am so passionate and such a big fan of Sean because of his gift, because of his vulnerability. The amount of success that Sean has had, let me just tell you, is exponential. Everything that he has ever set his mind out, he has scaled to beyond the elite. And the fact that he can be so open and so approachable and so humble and so kind, men need these relationships. They need them, right? And as women, I applaud that. Men need men. Women need women. I need my girlfriends. 
right? There are things that I can talk to my girlfriends about that even though I know men may love me and support me, you cannot have a conversation about childbirth with me. You cannot have a conversation with me of my role as a female in my child. There's just conversations that you can be part of but not really contribute from your own experience. And we all need that advice versus experience conversation. And so I applaud men of getting into the space where they start learning to have these deep connections and really, really great bromances because when you have a healthy male in your life, everything else scales. When you have a healthy female in your life, everything else scales. That is what power couple is all about. The masculine and feminine energy coming together for amplification. And when you see it, boy, you'll never forget it. When you've ever met a power couple that works in such unison for one aligned goal, you will never forget that impression, not ever. And that is what I'm hoping to do is to help people heal so that they can go to their highest and best self. So Coach Isaac, I applaud you. Thank you very, very much for contributing. Um, I think we can do one more question and then I wanna turn this over because I love to be punctual. So if there's anybody else who would like to make a, a comment or contribute or add a knowledge nugget, um, I have yeah, huge maybe. respect. Yes. I got you right here. Um, when I talked to Brian Tracy, he said that success always has to be paid in full and in advance, right? As we talk about energy exchange and money exchange, you know, sometimes the client pays you in advance and it's up to you then to both deliver what they paid for and to over deliver because that energy exchange is for the next, for the referral, for everything that's gonna come after you deliver what you delivered. And if you don't deliver even what they asked for or nothing at all, then you have to pay that karmic response also. Is that correct? A hundred percent. And I, I'm a big, I, I know Brian Tracy for many, 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 many years. And, and he was way on the forefront for a lot of the talk that you and I are talking about at this second is that you are going to pay now or you're going to pay later later and so those decisions that you make right you're you're creating that same type of energy and when you just lean into it with the great intention it always comes out that same way in the end and alpha six again you you are just a walking mic drop all of the time i love how much inner work and inner thinking that you do behind the scenes to such a degree to have mastered the mind that you have because you are a total gift. And I don't think people appreciate how much learning, studying and development you have done in order to drop those succinct mic drops consistently day in, day out, day in. I can absolutely see that you have done an abundance of work and I am a huge fan. Thank you for being here and thank you for everything that you have done to date. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Okay, so our time is up. I want to thank everybody for just sharing their time and their space and their energy with me. I am so appreciative. I will continue to earn your respect. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm in development myself, um, and so I just thank you for your patience. Um, and as I learn and grow here on this app, because I'm still kind of a newbie, Glenn, you are just incredible. I want to just give grace to everything that you've done for bringing everybody together. 
Um, you're an incredible, incredible human, and I am honored to even just be in your presence and know you. Again, GeniusKey.com, Backshap, Breakfast with Champions, BWC. That's our gift for today. Um, it's all about energy and what your energy, what your frequency is. So that's my gift. If you like it, please chime in. If you'd like something else, chime in for that. We're here to only serve. And I have no idea who's up next, but I know it's going to be somebody amazing. Uh, it's I your boy. I would say, I know who's up next. Oh, yeah, that's Mr. Meltzer. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, Mr. Dave. Oh, Mr. Up on the West Coast, super, super early. My little superhero. I love you, Dave. Yes, I'm transferring it to the master. I am like, I, I, I fall to your knees in grace. Hey, champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Amelia. This is Jake on Dave's team. I just want to set the room uh, before anything starts here. But uh, Amelia, that was an incredible hour. Thank you so much for all of your uh, knowledge and inspiration. This is the Breakfast with Champions, the 6 a.m. Pacific time version with David Meltzer. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Uh, Dave's been hosting free Friday trainings for the past 20 years. So we're going to be doing live Q&A, uh, bring your own questions. BYOQ is the theme for the week. So we're going to be taking questions from both Clubhouse and online questions on the live Zoom training. So we're going to be going back and forth, transitioning from both questions on here to then questions on the Zoom. So first to start, uh, why don't we start with a question on Clubhouse um, and feel free throughout. If you'd like to ask a question, just continue to flash your mic and then we'll be bringing you up to ask a question and then Dave will be answering. So thank you again for joining everybody. Uh, we're gonna start here on Clubhouse. Uh, Mike Mamola uh, is gonna start by asking the first question. Welcome, Mike. Good morning, thank you, Jake. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Dave. Fantastic Good. to speak to you. Good morning. Yeah, my question is, and I've seen and heard you give such great advice to so many people, literally around the world, is when working with entrepreneurs and founders and others, what's the most common mistake that you see? And what's the solution to that common mistake? Thanks. Sure. Great question. The most common mistake is they don't ask for help, right? They think I'm an entrepreneur. I'm usually going against what other people think. They're laughing at me, making fun of me, scoffing at me. I need to do this on my own. If I start asking questions and looking for help, people are gonna think I don't know what I'm doing and I should have done what they thought I should have done. And so the number one mistake that people make is they don't realize the easiest way as an entrepreneur to get to where they wanna be is find an entrepreneur that's already there and ask them for directions. Uh, radical humility is a missing characteristic in most entrepreneurs. The most common characteristic is the desire that they must be what they can be. They are persistent and consistent. Uh, another one as well is just attaching to an outcome. Uh, most entrepreneurs cannot blend patience and persistence. They attach their emotions to an outcome. They're going to be happy when they raise their first, you know, hundred grand or when they close this deal or when, and little do they know that their journey has just started. In fact, if most people uh, connected the dots backwards, most successful entrepreneurs, if they connected the dots backwards to get to where they are today, they won't do it. 
that's how difficult it is. They, even though they have the successes, even though they have already achieved and manifested what they desired or more in some sort of way, if they actually had to look back and say, oh, I went through this, I went through this, I went through this, I went through this, most <laughs> wouldn't redo it. They, 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 they want. Um, and so what we want to do is make sure that we ask for help, accelerate the dummy tax, the situational knowledge, the learning curve, accelerate not only what they know, but who they know by asking for help. And my favorite question to ask is, do you know anyone that could help me? That's separating out the gatekeepers of the world with the sponsors and power sponsors of the world. It's a qualifier that allows you to work with open minds, open hearts, and open hands, which allow you to have more statistical success, efficiency, and productivity in what you do. So make sure you're asking for help. Make sure that you're blending patience and persistence by detaching your emotions from the outcome, placing it where it belongs on the consistent, persistent pursuit. Uh, this is Dave Meltzer. Thank you, Mikey. Jakey, uh, what's the next question? Yes. So Jake, real fast. This is Glenn, real fast. I know you're Go in the ahead, Glenn. segment. There's a lot of people in the room. Some of them might not know who Dave Meltzer is, and they might be like, who's this guy giving advice? I don't even know who he is. And so I just want to let you guys all know that Dave is a best-selling author, he is a world-renowned speaker. He is my mentor and my coach. He is a dear friend of mine. And we're talking about a guy who has been there. This is a guy who amassed a massive amount of wealth and lost it all. Lost it all and then came back out of the fire, out of the ashes like a phoenix. And is now rising. He's got shows on Amazon Prime. He's got stuff all over the place on podcasts and YouTubes and everywhere, dude. He is killing the game. And he is a humble, really humble, amazing superhuman. So dial in, take notes, listen to what this man has to say. Trust me, he will change your life. That's all I got. Wow. Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah, so we're going to be coming right back to Clubhouse. We're going to be taking a question from uh, online. Uh, Niku Lose, you're going to be asking the question next. So please prepare. Uh, Dave, your question online is, what did you think you were going to be when you were a kid? professional football player. I was convinced from the time I was five, I was going to buy my mom a house and a car. We lived six kids, single mom. She worked two jobs, packed my dinner in a paper bag, lived on food stamps. My mom was an educator. She believed doctor, lawyer, failure. I believe football or failure. Uh, I'm five foot seven, 145 pounds. Uh, people laughed at me, scoffed at me, made fun of me. I was an average division three college football player. Average at best, I'm probably exaggerating, uh, but average Division three college football player. And uh, I probably came closest to reaching my potential of being a football player than anything else. But the valuable lesson that I learned through all of that was to believe in what I wanted and not to focus in on what other people wanted. And that just because people love us doesn't mean that they give us good advice. And that's been my motto through my career, whether it was, you know, learning about being a doctor or a lawyer, but ending up in the Internet, ending up in all types of different uh, fields from running Samsung's phone division in 1999, the world's first smartphone with Microsoft and Samsung, to running the most notable sports agency in the world with Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the guy who uh, they made uh, the movie Jerry Maguire about representing the biggest athletes, celebrities, entertainers, dealing with the billionaires, millionaires and entrepreneurs. 
you literally have to follow not necessarily that end of being a football player, but what lessons you learn, the skills that I've learned that are synergistic and supplementary to playing football, but also to making money, helping people and having fun. The knowledge that I learned playing football, synergistic and supplementary to what I want to do today absolutely imperative we learn in a variety of different ways we learn by personal values experiential values what we provide productivity accessibility all of these different things allow us to learn grow and accelerate thanks so much for that question niku i think you're next hello hello my brother how are you amazing it's so good to hear you you as well so i I'm just wondering because obviously you and I have had some conversations and you've gone through a lot of ups and downs in building your businesses. You've built it all, lost it all. In sales, we hear the word no two to 400 times a day with all the losses, with all the struggles, with all the challenges, with losing a business, with losing millions of dollars, right? How, when you were at the lowest of lows and everything was falling apart, how did you rebound mentally, emotionally? What are the things that you did? to get yourself back up when everyone else was like, you should probably just cash it in. You should probably just go get another job. How did you rebound from that? Yeah, I lost over a hundred million dollars. The interesting thing about my bottom, which had a basement by the way, was that I actually feel as if I bottomed out two years before I lost all my money. Uh, because I was surrounding myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas. I uh, had been warned that money doesn't buy love or happiness. I've been warned that I had lost my radical humility. In fact, what changed my life two years before was that I came home, I was running the most notable sports agency in the world, a multimillionaire, access to everything and everyone, Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys, all of these different things. So not only did I have a ton of money, but I had a ton of access to all of these different things that weren't fulfilling and i wanted to go to the grammy awards uh with a rapper named little john and my wife told me dave you're not paying attention to your family you're not paying attention to your business and you're partying way way too much i'm worried about you i don't think you should go to the grammy Awards." so of course in the mindset that i was in my mid-30s a multi-millionaire running the most notable sports agency in the world i was like ah whatever i'll lie to her so I lied to her. I went to the Grammy Awards. I came home at 5.30 in the morning, completely wasted, and she was waiting for me. And this is where the bottom started. She said to me, hey, I'm leaving you. I'm not happy. Uh, you're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller. You need to take stock in who you are and what you want to become and what you were because you're going to end up dead and I don't want to be around to see it. I love you, but I'm going to have to leave. At that moment, <laughs> two years before I lost everything, I looked at her. I wasn't ready to hear it. I told her, how dare you talk to me? Look around you. Look at the cars we have, the houses, the boats, the golf course, the ski. Look at all the things we have. Are you kidding me? And I went to bed and I woke up. And I woke up in the worst mindset of my life because I was thinking to myself, how am I gonna steal her joy? And I decided I'd take her money. And I was thinking about what lawyer to call. I went to law school myself and thinking about how I could punish her. And I looked over in the closet at the lowest point, the basement of the bottom. And there was a jacket, a jacket. So, someone's going to the bathroom, you gotta mute that. <laughs> That's incredible. All right. I looked over in the closet 
And there's a jacket that my father had given me when I was 30. The very first warning that I was on the wrong trajectory. My dad had left when I was five, didn't give me a birthday present for 20 years, gave me a jacket with no pockets to hang in my closet. I told him at that time, he was a liar, cheater, manipulator, overseller, backend seller. I hated him. And I couldn't believe he was punishing me by trying to teach me a lesson for my 30th birthday. And here I was six years later, staring at that jacket in tears, thinking to myself, man, I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm an overseller, backend seller. I hate myself. I don't hate my dad. Don't hate my wife. I hate my life. I hate my life for two reasons. One, I'm not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. And two, I'm lying to everyone else and myself. And so I sat down and I took inventory of myself and I came up with these four values. I was going to live my life from that day forward, no matter what happened, no matter if I lost all $100 million that I had, no matter what happened, I was going to live my life in gratitude. The simple way that I started my life with my single mom, six kids, packing my dinner into paper bag, telling me the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school, doctor, lawyer, failure, driving me by Jewish guilt. I didn't care. I was going to live the way my mom taught me, which was if you don't have gratitude, then get back upstairs and change your attitude. I don't want to hear it. Find the light, the love, and the lessons in everything that you do. There's love, light, and lessons in everything. Pain, setbacks, all of these things, the mistakes, the failures, they're just indicators that you have a better place to be. They're not stop signs. They're not stop signs. And forgiveness was the second one. I needed to forgive myself to live in peace so I could forgive others. So you can't give what you don't have. And then accountability. I'd been lowing, you know, ever since law school, making my first million dollars nine months out of law school, I've been living in liability, blaming, living in shame, justifying everything I did because money bought love and happiness, identifying, defining myself by my bank account, being liable instead of accountable. Accountability only has two questions. What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? Once again, then understanding that faith is my ultimate GPS, the superpower of all. Faith not only reroutes us when we miss the exit, when we get a flat tire, when we end up at the donut shop instead of the gym, faith actually will change your destination to a better place, a better situation, or make your situation better. And so what I learned two years earlier, Niku, was very simply gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, and faith that belongs in there, that instead of living in a world of not enough as a victim where everything happened to me, or a world of just enough where I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, I'd entered a world of abundance of more than enough, and everything was going to come through me for everyone else. And I, when I lost everything and finally had to go bankrupt, it was easy not only to get motivated to get back up, get started, get restarted, but it was essential that I continue to live by these values so I could live in spirit, inspired, in abundance, where everything comes through me, a world of more than enough of everything for everyone. And that's how I made such a quick recovery. That's over the last 16 years how I've been able to develop, you know, as Glenn had stated, right? I have TV shows, the top podcast. It goes on and on. I don't even know what I'm doing other than being abundant and asking for help, finding the people that sit in the situation that I want to be in and having the desire that I must be what I can be and allowing people to laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me. 
and it seems like they eventually applaud you. I love that question. I hope it answered the question. Thank you David, so much. you are amazing. I just sent you a message in the DM. I don't know how your heart heard the word humility, but when you said that, I just, you brought, you brought me to tears. I love you, bro. I love you too. Thank you. All right, Jakey Bakey, I love you too. Keep this thing rolling. All right, let's keep this rolling. Just a quick reset. This is the uh, Breakfast with Champions. Dave's doing a, uh, he's done a free Friday training for the past 20 years. And this is the BYOQ, bring your own questions. So we're going to be answering both questions on Clubhouse and then questions from the live training on Zoom. So we're going back and forth here. Um, we're going to come back to Clubhouse. Naida, you're going to be next, ask a question, and then we'll come to you, Michelle. But Dave, the question online from Jody is, What's the fastest way to find the love, light, and lessons in everything that we do? <laughs> so remember, this is the coolest part. You don't have to find it. You already are it. You already are health. You already are happiness. You already are wealth. You are already worthiness. Shift the paradigm in your perspective through the gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability that I was talking about and start searching for what's interfering with what I already am. Right. Read a little Kierkegaard, some existentialism. Understand that you are already connected to and through the greatest source of light, less life, love and lessons. You know, I used to look at mountains in front of me and say, how am I going to get over that? How am I going to get through it, around it? And then I realized I don't have to because that which created that mountain is inside of me and walks with me at all times. I need to determine and use my free will not to go get happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I need to use my free will in order to clear the interference between me and what I'm already am, what already is inside of me and walks next to me. See, you can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you. And so if something's interfering, find out what's triggering that interference, what people, what places, what ideas are interfering with what you already are. And then go ahead and realize that the need to be right, the need to be offended, the need to be separate and fear, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, all of these different needs are only triggering your ego, which takes all the blood out of your head and puts it into your body. So you can fight, feed, flight, or the other F word that my friend Gary Vee always talks about, right? No, simply understand that you are the life, the love, and the lessons. You are already that, and you have to determine what's interfering it by just stopping, breathing, getting to your higher self, your center, your neutral, and then rolling in the right trajectory. Remember, when you are searching for something, you're interfering with it. When you're searching for something, simply realize your mind, your body, and soul are on fire. Just stop, drop, and roll when you're on fire. And I promise you, you will accelerate finding what you already are. This is David Meltzer. Jake, next person. Yes, next person. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, we've got Naida Videl. Naida, if you can unmute yourself and ask your question, that would be great. Welcome to the clubhouse. Thank you so much. Thank you, David and Jake. Um, so I've been curious about the the gift of rest, and I say gift because many people don't accept it, though it is free. How do you rest, and how do you recommend high-performing individuals take rest? This is Naida. I'm done speaking. Thank you, Naida. I think this is a huge setup because these are like my favorite questions ever. Um, so my tomorrow begins today. See, the beginning of my day is 9 p.m. 
because I believe a third of my life is spent in rest. And rest to me is the most essential of all the thirds of my life, a third with the family, a third with activity I get paid for, and a third at rest. And what rest and why rest is so important and why I start my day at 9 p.m. with an unwinding routine, separating myself from all interfering negative energies, no negative conversations, videos, podcasts, books, no handhelds in my hand. At 9 p.m., I'm unwinding to put number one, my body in a position to recover so that it can perform its best when the sun comes up. I wake up every day at four o'clock with a set routine. If the set routine gets disturbed by God, which it usually does, I have an adaptable routine based on my non-negotiables, which are my health, my family, and my calendar and utilizing all of those in an unwinding routine to put my body in a place of recovery. But more importantly, I utilize the time where my subconscious and unconscious mind are connected to and through the greatest source of light and love and lessons, meaning that I transcend and download information with rest. I transcend and download information of a higher source, a higher power of thinking, utilizing my brain, body, my soul, all of these things in order to effectuate what I want. So when I wake up at 4 a.m. and I meditate for 20 minutes, which I have for 16 years every single day, I used to meditate to find my center and find my neutral, to create a baseline for the day because most people live their life like Camus the Stranger, right? The myth of Sisyphus. They sit there and they push a boulder to the top of the hill all day long just to have it roll down to the bottom of the hill the next morning. Not me, I plateau and grow. I utilize my rest, my unwinding routine in order to effectuate a physical recovery, but a subconscious and unconscious connectivity to the greatest source of download so that I then can use my meditation for 20 minutes to transcend that information into the pragmatic world, to lower the vibration so I can materialize the vision that I have, the connectivity that I have, the inspiration, in-spirit connectivity through me appreciating it with gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability for others, living in that world of more than enough. The essential third of your life is rest. Put yourself into a position to plateau and grow every day. Use an unwinding routine, protect yourself against negative energies, protect your against against negative ideas, protect yourself by simply utilizing an unwinding routine to put yourself into a position to download all the information to allow yourself to grow, accelerate, and learn. This is Dave Meltzer. I hope that answered your question. Th thank you, Naida. We're going to be going to Zoom. Uh, actually, this is an Instagram question, Dave. And then Michelle Steiner, we're going to be coming back to you on Clubhouse to ask you a question. Uh, Dave, this is an interesting one. The question is, if you were starting your own country, what law would you make first? <laughs> what law? Well, so, you know, that's a man-made construct, a law. Um, ooh, what law would I make first? You know, I, I would... Uh, have a collective consciousness law where everyone would have to take a minimum of two minutes a day uh, to say thank you when they wake up and everybody would have to take two minutes a day to say thank you and look to see what they were thankful for at the end of their day uh, at night. And uh, that collective consciousness is my mission in life, which is to empower over a billion people to find a thousand people like our Instagram or my webinar or a clubhouse that I can teach through these values and five daily practices, knowing your what, your who, your how, your now, and your why, applying that why, 
to create a collective consciousness of abundance and happiness where people make more money, help more people and have more fun. Uh, the law that I would institute is everyone every day would have to take a minimum, not total, minimum of two minutes a day because two minutes a day is worth two hours on a Saturday. Two minutes a day to remind, remember, recollect what they're grateful for. Raising and elevating the awareness, not just of the individual, but of the collective of how blessed we are and what we are connected to and through. So that would be the law of gratitude uh, that, that I would institute. The law of gratitude. Thank you, Dave. Uh, we are going to be moving back to Clubhouse. We've got Michelle Steiner on deck. And if anyone else would like to ask a question, feel free to uh, to flash their mics and we will aim to bring you up after Michelle. So Michelle Steiner, the CBD Hem Coach, welcome to the Clubhouse. What's your question? Hi, thanks so much for having me here. My name is Michelle Steiner. Um, so Dave, my question, first of all, I want to start by saying that this room should be live streamed into my daughter's business class who's in high school right now because I've had the pleasure of homeschooling, of listening to their business classes. And quite frankly, they kind of suck. And when you hear all of you guys on Clubhouse and Dave's wisdom, it's quite amazing to me. So that's my question is how do you guide, what would be your number one tip for guiding the youth today into the, the right direction because I see what they're teaching them in their business class. So what would be your number one tip, Dave? Thanks, my name is Michelle Steiner and I'm never done planting seeds. Right on, planting seeds under trees we may never sit under. I hear you, I have four children of my own and I've realized that children, they are not for us, they're through us. And when we realize the best way to empower our children is that to understand they don't listen to us. Right. See, I stopped trying to get my kids to listen to me. What I started to do was to try to figure out what they're listening for. And one of the things I know that they're listening for are those kids in high school, junior high school, elementary school, college, graduate school, all the places that we're blessed to give out the five daily practices. I give everybody my audiobook, my ebook, and I sign and send and pay for shipping my book for free to everyone, especially kids in school. They just email me, david at dmelzer.com. All of you can do it. It's free. But the reason I do it is because I know what they're listening for and what they want to do is watch you. They don't want to listen to you. They want to watch you. And they may not ever give you credit for the seeds that you're planting. They may never. I had a great situation where my daughter came home from college and literally quoted me from one of my books and told me her professor was a genius. And I was like, you know where that quote came from? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know, in my head. But I was just so glad that I knew what my daughter was listening for. And I'd planted a seed, you know, with my own ideas. I planted a seed by waking up every morning at 4 a.m., living in the enjoyment of the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential, showing the radical humility by asking for help. Every day I ask for help in person, on the phone, via email, traditional media, social media. I'm consistently asking for help, trying to negate all the gatekeepers out of my life, searching for open minds, open hearts, and open hands. The best people that can help me because on average, everybody knows about a thousand people. And if I can keep on creating this collective consciousness by asking for help and utilizing the core values and the five daily practices, allowing people to watch me watch you watch others be kind to their future self by doing good deeds. I promise you it will work. We have to stop 
trying to talk to or you know, have people listen to us. Let's see what they're listening for and know that they're watching us. I appreciate all the seeds that you're planting. And remember, as Dennis Waitley says, we're planting seeds under trees we may never, ever sit under, but it's well worth it to be that type of farmer. Thank you so much. This is David Meltzer. What outstanding questions. Thank you for your question, Michelle. We're going to be coming back here to Clubhouse any second now. Uh, the question online for you, Dave, is what's the difference between being proud of your kids and bragging too much about them? <laughs> you know, you can't uh, can't control their peaceful experiences. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, for me, my goal of my children is to, uh, number one, love them, be proud of them, uh, and let them know that I have their back. Um, facts themselves, some should be shared and some shouldn't. Uh, you know, it's a, a personal decision what you want to share personally about your children and their accomplishments. Uh, and so, you know, if other people are offended by your experience, that just means and defines them as people that are offended by other people's experience. I'm, see, never will I consider myself a celebrity. Right. I represent the biggest athletes, celebrities and entertainers in the world, surrounded myself with billionaires, millionaires and entrepreneurs. But I prefer to be a celebrant than a celebrity. And so I think it's very important to elevate others, to elevate yourself. I think it's very important to show and display the love and appreciation that you have for other people's accomplishments and to elevate them. If other people are offended because you've elevated wonderful people, the closest people that are most relative to you, it just defines them as people that need to be offended by other people's experiences. And guess what? I don't want to surround myself with those type of people. So I'm okay if people fall away or fire me from their life because they're not aligned with abundance and happiness and kindness, appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability. If they're not inspired, they can fall away. If they don't have the awareness and it somehow offends you because, you know, uh, my son's in a tournament of champions and or has four touchdowns or if that is offensive to you, I really don't want to be around you. Go ahead be a celebrity in your mind, I'll continue to be a celebrant. And I uh, really appreciate that one. I've lived my life trying to please people I didn't like, uh, and it doesn't get me anywhere. I prefer to go ahead and be an intelligent follower, lean in and celebrate as many things and as many people as I can. Go ahead, Jakey. Yes, thank you, Dave. We've got Colleen Hawthorne. Colleen, if you're here, please unmute yourself and uh, join the clubhouse to ask your question. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What an honor. Just checking in this morning to say thank you. Um, I love my family here. Breakfast of Champions. Dave, thanks for all your sharing. Just listening and taking it in. Being refreshed and refilled this morning. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. And part of that refreshment and fulfillment uh, is a big part of our lives. I want to kind of go over. I skimmed on it real fast, Jake. Uh, the five daily practices that I live by, right? I think a lot of people get caught up, especially today in their why. 2020 has been a year of reflection. 2021 seems to be a year of decisions. Uh, and so many people, you know, are searching for that passion, purpose, and profitability through why. I don't, in my opinion, feel as if 
that's the best way to go about it. I think we apply our why. The why is always there. We always know our why, which is to create abundance and to help others. That's why we love to give. And so many people have a difficulty receiving. Uh, so I charted out what I call the five daily practices. And the first daily practice to be as grateful as our friend uh, there, Colleen, um, is to know your what, right? Start with knowing your what. What do I want today? Personally, what do I want? What do I want today experientially? What do I want to experience today? What do I want to give today to provide product services value? What do I want to give today? And finally, what do I want to receive? Because I can't give what I don't have. I spent so much of my life giving to receive as a trade and negotiation as a scarcity instead of receiving to give with the full intent to allow everything to come through me with gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability. Learn to receive so you can give. I mean, it's beautiful if you only have a dollar and you give it away. I understand, but what impact is it going to have? Instead, if you focus in on receiving $100 million and giving all that away, you can have an extraordinary impact. You need to know your what, your experience, personally experiential giving and receiving especially, and let it be weighted in its balance. Don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. That means that you're learning and growing. Don't be afraid of telling people, hey, you have a snapshot of me from 10 years ago. That's not who I am today because I've been taking inventory of who I am, growing and accelerating and compounding the positive energy and positive experiences in my life in order to effectuate what I want because I know what I want. And then secondly, every day when you know your what, know your who. Who can you help with what you want and who can help you get what you want? Like I said, finding what you want, find someone who sits in the position or has what you want, ask them for directions or ask them for this, ask them if they know anyone that has it. You got to know your who and then know your how. Know your what, your who, and your how. See, within the context of how comes the mathematical equation of luck. The mathematical equation of luck simply states what I pay attention to, what I focus in on, whether it's vision boards or some sort of meditation or visualization that you do, what I pay attention to plus what I give my intention to. What is that? That means what I say, what I think, what I do, even including my unconscious competencies. The unconscious competencies of my personality traits indicate this. My characteristics indicate this. My obsessions are these. And my and my contradictions are these. And if I can get through those four together, attention plus intention equal the coincidences of my life. You know, I've had such extraordinary coincidences from being a millionaire, like I said, nine months out of law school, being able to buy my mom a house in a car, going to the Silicon Valley, running the most, you know, first uh, <laughs> smartphone, they didn't even call them smartphones, I'm so old, convergence devices uh, in 1999 uh, for Samsung with Microsoft, and then running the most notable sports agency. And then after that, uh, partnering with Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback, to have one of the leading sports marketing companies in the world, then creating my own brand, books, speaking, TV shows, podcasts, all coaching, all these different things that I do specifically are not luck. They're coincidences created by the attention and intention that we have because I know my how. I'm a student of my how. I'm a student of my calendar. I look at the activities I planned, I don't have planned, and my unwinding routine, my sleep. I look at it with a lens of productivity. How much value am I gonna provide for others? Accessibility, how accessible am I to others? 
And how am I accessing what I want? How am I receiving what I want according to my what and my who? And then finally, the lens of gratitude, which is that powerful lens to find the light, the love, and the lessons to clear the interference between me and what I already am. And then after I know my what, my who, and my how, I know my now. One of the most difficult things for people to understand is that 100% of the things that you do now get done, the difference between passionate, purposeful, and profitable people and all others is they get stuff done. So you need to order, I use Eisenhower's matrix of importance versus urgency in order to prioritize by my what, my who, and my how, what I'm going to do first and get it done. If I can't get it done, I'm going to put it into a repository like a list, a calendar somewhere so I can reevaluate it at a later time. But you got to do it now. 100% of the things you do now get done. And then finally, most importantly, we spoke earlier of these triggers of the ego. Know and apply your why. Apply your why. See, there's light, love, and lessons in everything. Let me use food as an example. You naturally like or love certain foods from your very young age, very young age. Your mom put, you know, some applesauce in your mouth and you spit it out at her or the peas and you spit it out at her. But there's still people in the world that love peas and love applesauce. There's people who love certain foods naturally. How could that be? Well, because there's light, love, and love, and light, love, and lessons in everything. And so I have taught myself to apply my why to learn to love things. Viktor Frankl wrote in Man's Search of Meaning exactly this. He could find love, light, and lessons in a dirty bowl of water with a fish head in it. That's a powerful mindset. That's a powerful heart set. That's a conscious continuum that allows you to understand there is and should be no interference between me and everything and everyone and every idea that I'm simply giving meaning to everything I see. And what if I spent my time trying to control the power of meaning instead of the power of objectivity and subjectivity created by people's judgments and conditions? What if I was capable of understanding having an open mind and open heart and open hands with everything I experienced? using gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability to effectuate that light and lessons. I could apply my why to the activity I got paid for, to the activity I didn't get paid for. I could apply my why to the intimate relationships where I used to search for what I don't want, instead finding the superpower, the light, the love, and the lessons and everything. And if there are weaknesses, all I have to do is move it to another place. It's amazing what we can do if you know your what your who, your how, your now, and your why. Feel free. I'm happy to send this to everyone. I have a great worksheet for you. Uh, my you know, contact information is in my bio, david at dmelcher.com. I answer everything personally. I'd love for you to reach out. I'm happy to give you my book, ebook, audio book. I'll sign it, send it, ship it to you. I'll pay for everything. It's all free. Don't worry. Please, let's empower others to empower others simply to be happy, to make more money, help more people, and have more fun. All right, we're rocking and rolling, Jakey Bakey. What's next? We've got a question on Zoom, and then Julie Lentini in Clubhouse, we are going to be coming back to you to ask your question, so please prepare. We've got from online, Dave, the question is, with so much evolving, what kind of research are you doing lately? Uh, I do research every day for a minimum of an hour and a half, meaning I'm paying attention to and giving attention to with the coincidences that I want. What I'm constantly researching for me is how do my skills, how do my knowledge of what and who 
and my desire that I must be what I can be to empower over a billion people to be happy, to create a collective consciousness of people that live in abundance, that make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun with their lives, reducing, resolving, diluting all the anxiety, depression that exists today. And I spend my time researching how can I align synergistically or supplementary my skills, knowledge, and desire to what's doing well today, what's stable today, and what I think will be doing well in the future. Because if I can align my skills, knowledge, and desire to what's doing well, what's stable, and what will be doing well in the future, it'll create and allow me to receive more to come through me with appreciation, meaning I'm adding my value, gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability to it and giving it away, allowing me to recollect, allowing me to remind and allowing me to remember with everything and everyone. A great unification is on its way if we all utilize the right mindset and heart set and conscious continuum in order to effectuate that. I suggest if you're looking for a job, looking for a side hustle, looking for a better relationship, align your skills, knowledge, and desire synergistically, supplementarily with what's doing well in that relationship, what's stable in that relationship, and what you think will be doing well. And you will see exponential growth and acceleration in everything that you want, utilizing that mathematical equation of luck by paying attention to, giving intention to those coincidences that you like. Thank you, Jake. What's next? Yes, we've got Julie Lentini up next to ask a question. But quickly, if anyone um, and everyone on stage and in the audience, feel free to follow the people next to you, follow the people on stage. All these people have taken the time to really expand their knowledge base and to uh, to learn from this Breakfast with Champions. So feel free to follow everyone. Use that plus bar at the bottom. Invite your friends and family. This is the best room on Clubhouse, and I think we can all agree on that. So with that in mind, we've got Julie Lentini. Julie, what is your question today? David, thank you so much. And a little bit of my question has already been answered, but as you said, many people are reflecting, taking stock, and making decisions moving forward, especially out of the pandemic, which is where I am today. What is your best advice to people that are looking to move out of the pandemic and really making big changes in their life? Thank you. Thank you. And I think everybody, number one, has to realize that there is no certainty. I believe the only certainty that we can create is through forgiveness. If we can actually reach a uh, capability, which I don't have, which I'm searching to, I would say I spend minutes and moments in interference, but if I can forgive the unforgivable, then I believe I would reach certainty. But otherwise, uh, people talk about uncertain times, accelerated change, evolution. Uh, I think the first step of understanding it is that that's the only dependent variable there is, change. And we also have to realize that nobody likes change, uh, except for maybe a wet baby. Uh, but if we can embrace the change, if we can understand there is no certainty, that then we, it allows us to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential. Uh, in this time, what I think people should do is uh, understand time itself because there's a blend of patience and persistence that a lot of people don't understand because they do attach their emotions to an outcome. What does that mean? Right now, there's so much opportunity, right? A third of the things are doing well, a third of things are stable, and a third of things have crashed. 
There's great margins of millionaires made when things are oversold and overbought, when there's volatility and viability in what's going on. There's a tremendous amount of wealth that can be reallocated. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity through the extraordinary changes that are occurring. And what we want to do is find out where those things are so that we can buy things that are oversold and sell things that are overbought. And this is a perfect time to do things, take advantage of viability. What I would suggest the first step is to figure out your own timing and risk tolerance. And that applies to everything. I see so many people ask me for investment advice, for career advice, for marital. Let me know your timing and risk tolerance. Right. Let me know. I, I ask people all the time, you know, ah, I bought this. I want to do that. What's your timing and risk tolerance? And then find the people who are already there to tell you whether it's aligned with a certain opportunity, investment, prospecting, job, relationship. Let's go ahead and illuminate what we want, create a criteria beforehand so we can extract the motions and apply it to the journey part, right? I have a friend, Chris Gardner, who made the movie Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. And I always tell him, you guys got it backwards. There is no pursuit of happiness. Happiness is the pursuit. When you're pursuing something, expanding, growing, accelerating, you have to blend the patience and the persistence. You have to realize that 90% of the effort will get you to 25% of the result, which is really behavior that works in the negative favor. It's behavior that works in the negative favor. Why is that? Because if we're drinking or smoking, it takes 90% of the time until we see some sort of negative result. And we're not looking for one. We're not anticipating, man, I'm smoking every day. This, we're not, this is going to someday kill me. No. 90% of the effort will be put in and 25% of, of the result will show itself. In other words, you'll become aware of it. And then in a very short amount of time, about 5%, it'll go to 95, it'll go to 50%. And then in 5% five, 5 more, it'll go to 100%. Well, why is that so important today? Because with the huge opportunities that exist, with the accelerated change, with the volatility and viability that exists, with the extraordinary wealth and abundance that is out there that some people are taking advantage of by making it synergistic to what's doing well, what's stable, or what they think will do well, they actually realize that positive behavior has an expectation or anticipation of quick results. Unlike negative behavior, we don't smoke a cigarette and say, oh God, you know, in a year from now, I'll be dead. No, but if you start a business, everyone has this high anticipation of positive behavior that says, oh, I should be farther along. I don't see any progress. And then, you know, as the years go on and on and on, people start telling you that you made a mistake. They laugh at you. They make fun of you. They scoff at you. I always say, you know, if Bezos 25 years ago would have asked me to invest in Amazon as he sat in his garage and told me he's selling books out of his garage and he's going to be the richest man on earth with the greatest marketplace ever created. And would I give him $10,000 for a startup? I'm a, like a optimist, right? I'm the optimist of optimists. I would have told him, you're crazy, man. You're never going to be the rich. You're going to make a trillion dollars. Come on. But he understood how aggregation grows and compound interest, the positive behavior occurs. He understands that he would not see the results immediately. He understood that if he enjoyed the consistent, persistent pursuit of his potential, not listening to what other people wanted for him, what was missing or what they didn't want, that someday he actually could manifest more than 99.9% .9 of the people on earth could even imagine. His reality 
surpassed almost everyone on Earth's imagination, like Elon Musk, like Bill Gates. Their imagination surpassed your, rea your reality, including mine. And so when we learn how compound interest and acceleration work in the positive, and we enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of our potential by detaching our emotions from that outcome and understanding that it'll be 90% of the way till we see 25% of the result. Think about it as a lily pond. If I told you that there's one lily on a lily pond, but in 20 years, the lily pond would be full because the lilies double every year. After year one, there'd be two. After year two, there'd be four. In fact, this is how I told Gary Vee I was gonna build my audience, two ambassadors at a time. In year 18, the pond would only be a quarter of the way full. By year 18, everybody would be laughing at me for telling you the pond was gonna be full in 20 years. We're only 25%, it's been 18 years, bro. We're only 25% of the way there. I'm never gonna get there. The pond's never gonna be full with these lilies. Oh, really? Because it's gonna double next year the way it's been doubling since year one. And we're gonna go from 25 to 50% full with the pond. And even after 19 years, when we're 50% full, everyone's gonna be telling me, I told you, now you're only halfway there, it's been 19 years. You're gonna have to go another 19, it's not linear, it's compounding, accelerating, right? Einstein's rule is 72, go learn it. I'm almost there. No, you're not, you're halfway. No, I'm almost, you're half, no, I'm almost there. This is where I gotta lean in because everyone else is telling me I'm stuck. Get stuck getting stuck because you're doing the right things. And in one year, you're going to be 100% of the way there. The pond will be full. And in year 21, you're going to need two ponds and then four ponds. Pretty soon, you're going to understand what Bezos and Gates and Elon Musk or the alien Musk, whatever you want to call him, that they understand. They simply understand math, acceleration, growth, and compound interest. And they do it by enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential, putting their attention and intention into the coincidences they want, thinking about what they want, not what other people want, what's missing or what they don't want. Because when you look and hear and see what other people want for you, what's missing and what you don't want, that's all you're gonna get. This is David Meltzer. I hope I answered your question. Jakey Bakey, what's next? Yes, incredible, Dave. Um, we've got Justin from online. And then when we come back, we've got a really special guest, Glenn Lundy, to ask a question. But for now, uh, online, Justin asked, what do you mean by we give meaning to everything that we see? That's the most powerful thing that, that I've learned. So we have the capability to find inside of us what's outside of us. And so what we search for and seek is what we see. If we look for the superpowers in our spouse, we're gonna see the superpowers in our spouse. I'll tell you, I used to work for Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, as I said, the most notable sports agent in the world, right? They made the movie Jerry Maguire about our firm. This guy was incredible. He, you know, a little bit on the spectrum, the best mentor I've ever had, genius by far, but he didn't understand time. And uh, when I worked there, I had, a fourth child on the way, three already there, three beautiful girls. My wife stayed with me, by the way. She's very forgiving and wonderful. And most importantly, though, I tell him, hey, you know, I got to, I just have one question. And he'd keep me there, you know, maybe it was four o'clock when I was trying to leave. He'd keep me there three hours. And I'd be driving home thinking my wife's going to be so upset with me. Oh, I'm in so much trouble. And I get home and I get screamed at and I get in trouble and she was upset. 
And then I understood and learned through the Course in Miracles that I give meaning to everything I see. And I started thinking about what I wanted. I started thinking, you know what? I'm so blessed. My wife is so patient and appreciative. She knows why I stayed the extra time. She understands and is forgiving because she knows my intent is to provide as much as I can to her and my family. And she is going to be so happy to see me and appreciative that I spent the extra time and the activity I get paid for and in order to provide not only for my family, but my community and even the world. It was almost a miracle that it instantly changed when I gave it a different meaning. You give meaning to everything you see. Instead of looking for the shortages, the voids, and the obstacles, look for the light, the love, and the lessons. I promise you, if you stop looking for the shortages, voids, and the obstacles, the gatekeepers in your life, and you start focusing on the light, the love, and the lessons, and the sponsors and power sponsors, the people with open minds, open hearts, and open hands, that's all you're going to find because you're giving meaning to it. And when you run into it, allow it to fall it away. The negative energy, the negative naysayers, the negative mindsets and heart sets and hands, just go away from it. It takes a thousand times the energy to convince someone with a closed mind of something than it does one person with an open mind. I mean, one, it takes a thousand times the energy to get a thousand people with an open mind in the time it takes you to convince one person with a closed mind. And then if you convince them, they're not going to tell anybody else because they have a closed mind. If you get a thousand people with open minds and tell them, they're going to tell a thousand people. You have to find that meaning. Look for the light, the love, and the lessons, not the shortages, the voids, and the obstacles. I am... Thank you, Justin, for that question. I'm so excited to get a question from my brother, Glenn Lundy. What do you got for me, my friend? I don't know if I want to ask a question after the master class that you have dropped for the last 53 minutes. Dude, that was amazing. And yes, when you said Alien Musk, I think that's what the Pentagon is going to talk about next month when they release their statement, that that dude's an alien for real. I'm, I'm fairly confident that's what that, uh, that meeting is all about. Um, but bro, this is... Really, really powerful stuff. I've known you for a while now. I've listened to a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of what you teach. I've learned a lot from you. And I'm just so grateful and appreciative for you pouring into us here on Breakfast with Champions this morning. Um, the question that I had for you comes from the business side of things. And it's kind of a three-part. And so what I am curious, because I know that you have built from nothing to 100 mil, lost it all, done it again. My question is, in business... What should be like the primary focus? If I'm trying to get from six figures to seven, what is the primary focus? From seven to eight, what is the primary focus? And from eight to nine, what is the primary focus? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, there is that five daily practices uh, that I utilize in order to determine what those focuses are. And they are situational. But let me tell you a, a few things. Uh, number one, to get started. You, you got it just like an investment. You're investing in yourself. There is no sacrifice along the way from six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to 10. There is no sacrifice. There's simply investment in yourself, right? You need to understand throughout that process that the setbacks, the failures, the mistakes are indicators that you have a better place, a better position, a, a position to be in. And the number one rule throughout that, besides the five daily practices of knowing your what, your who, your how, your now, and your why, is to ask for help all along the way. You know, and you need to have and institute the radical humility in order to ask for help. 
I don't care where you're at. The fastest way to get to six, seven, eight, and nine is to ask people that are at six, seven, eight, and nine for help. That's why you coach people. That's why I coach people because I want to accelerate the learning curve by giving and paying the most expensive tax that people pay. I know everybody's fleeing California and New York because the taxes are so high. Forget your state tax. Forget your federal tax. Start focusing in on your dummy tax. And if you want to not pay any dummy tax, go find someone that's already paid it. Wouldn't it be nice that you could go find someone that's already paid their state taxes and be like, hey, man, you already paid yours. Can you pay mine or does that count? That's what you get to do with the most expensive tax, the dummy tax from six to seven to eight to nine. You got to understand. And look, I'm going to take this a step further. This is how I ask for help, right? In person, every day on the phone, text included every day, on email every day. In fact, to this day, over 16 years, I have been checking my sent box to see how consistent I am on asking. Traditional media in the past I used to ask and now social media. And I ask every day, like I said, because every day there's a thousand people that each of the people that I ask have that can help me. And I institute that rule of gatekeeper. If they have a closed mind, I run away. If they have an open mind, I ask them, number one, what are you doing today? Then I ask them, what do you like about it? Then I ask them, what don't you like about it? Because by asking them what they do today, I get alignment and credibility. By asking what they don't like and what they do like, I go ahead and create an emotional attachment. Then it allows me to be of service because I can ask them once I know what they like and don't like, would it help you if I blanked, introduced you to this person, gave you this, gave instituted this, taught you this, helped you with this, would it help you? Then finally, when I provided that void shortage and obstacle for the, the, sorry, the void for the universe to fill, I then can ask him the magic question that gets you from six to seven to eight to nine figures. Do you know anyone that can help me? Opening up in person, just one person a day. Opening up in person, just on email, just one person a day. Opening up on phone, one person a day. Opening up on media, one person a day. That's 4,000 people a day that I'm accessing. A pipeline of 120,000 people that now will have awareness to what my ask is. Finding someone that sits in the situation that I want to be in at six, seven, eight, or nine figures. When I lost everything, Two years after I went and bottomed out at that basement, that basement of understanding I had no faith, no gratitude, no forgiveness, no accountability or inspiration. I simply was motivated, which is a short-term solution, which won't last. Fear itself, the biggest suck of energy could motivate you, but it's not going to inspire you. It's just going to create more interference. When I was there and I lost everything, I actually, Glenn, had to go tell my mom, the woman who told me my whole life, doctor, lawyer, failure, not only had I lost everything, but the only reason I was wanted to be rich my whole life was to buy her a house and a car. I had to go tell her that I was bankrupt and that I had lost her house because I forgot to take it out of my name. So when I told her I had to move and she had to move and I told her I had lost everything, I thought it was going to crush her, but it didn't because she understood all the things that I understand today about moving from six to seven to eight to nine figures. That just wasn't her objective. Her objective was to empower children so that they could make six, seven, eight, nine figures. She never needed it because she looked at me and she said, are you okay? Do you need anything?
She said to me, literally, can I give you some money? I lost your house. You got to move, mom. I screwed all the son. It's okay. What can I do for you? And that's where you want to lie. Tell and illuminate the truth. Be yourself, find your frequency, strengthen it, find your spectrum and be of service to others and ask for help. And you will get from six to seven to eight to nine. Find someone. I can't tell you a magic sauce. There's so many different industries, careers and jobs that you could have. So many investments in prospecting that you could do, knowing your time and your risk tolerance, whatever it is. The best piece of advice that I can give you is know what you want, who can help you and who you can help, how you're gonna get it done, prioritize by what's most important according to your what, your who and your how, and apply your why. And if anybody wants any of this stuff, as Glenn knows, david at dmelzer.com, my books, my guides, exercises, the five daily practices. I will sign a book, send it to you, pay for shipping, I don't care. David at dmelzer.com. It's eight o'clock wherever I am, and it is the top of the hour. So please, everyone, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Jake and Glenn, Amelia, and the rest of my Breakfast of Champions crew and peeps, reach out. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Brother, thank you so much. Can we get some mic flashes? For excellent, excellent. So good. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. That was awesome, really. And hugs to your mama. <laughs> Thank you. Love and gratitude. Life too. Bro, that was absolutely fire, man. What an incredible, incredible segment. Now, this morning has been fire across the board. This week <laughs> has been fire. I know that, uh, you know, I know that, uh, uh, my my thumbs created the initial rooms for breakfast with champions, uh, and so sometimes maybe it sounds weird, but I'm like, this is great. <laughs> but the reality is that this is great. This has been an amazing, amazing week. It just keeps getting better and better and better and better, which I love. So I do want to go ahead and reset the room this morning. This is breakfast with champions, the millionaire breakfast club, your opportunity to get a seat at the table. That's right. To hang out with some of those that are doing the things, you know, you can do that have reached some of those levels. You know, you can reach. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. There's Kristen. Oh, oh, William. Oh, Niku and Ro. Okay, good. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, we are also Saturdays from 6 to noon and Sundays at the Fabulous Club. That is at 1 11 p.m. Eastern time. That is Sunday service. That is a full on worship service, your time, and sermon, uh, all of those things. That's you join us on Sundays for that. It's absolutely spectacular. We've got another hour here on Breakfast with uh, we really do believe that if we can keep they start, it'll make a massive impact in life. At some point along the way, you to this room, and sometimes that's all that it takes to change the way you
Uh oh. I believe we lost Glenn. Um, so I can get started if if uh did he completely set the room? I'm sorry, I'm just getting back on. He did, Ro. You're set to go. Okay. He was just encouraging everyone to help somebody along and bring them into the room. So sure. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I got kicked out. Oh, there he is. Okay. Are you yeah. done, Glenn? Um, yeah, I was just going to say, make sure you network with the other people in the room, the people sitting in front of you, behind you, to the left of you, to the right of you. Uh, you never know if there might be an opportunity for you to serve them or an opportunity for them to serve you. It'll also enhance your experience right here on Clubhouse because it's all about networking. So make sure you do that. And of course, we want to make sure that nobody ever walks away from this room empty handed. So if you do need some help changing the way you start your day, go ahead and go to themorning5.com. That's themorning5.com. And you can download my free ebook, The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Life. And this ebook will break down for you five things you can do every morning, super easy, five steps that I promise you hundreds of thousands of people have experienced around the world, and it really is transformational. So go to themorning5.com. You can download that free ebook. It also tells a little bit about my story if you'd like to get to know me a little bit better. And, of course, we do have an audible version. You can get that at themorning5.com as well. Uh, lastly, make sure you follow our club up here in the corner, the Breakfast with Champions Club. That way you will get notified. We can let you know anytime. There's a room, whether it be a room that I started, whether it be an event like Dr. Rowe had this past weekend with Michael Kuchar, uh, any of those things, make sure you're following the club so you can get identified of that amazing, amazing stuff. I want to end by just saying thank you again for choosing to share your space and time with us this morning. Uh, Tiffany and Lori. Uh, Mitzi and Mello, uh, Lily and Michelle, uh, Mike and Steve and Carlon and Patrice, uh, Jim and Aswan, of course, Rob and Kat, uh, Gigi and Jennifer, Stacy and Lewis, Courtney and Larry, Johnny and Caleb, uh, Jamie's in the room today. Great to see you, Jamie Davidson, uh, Melissa and Andrea, Sherry Matthews. Great to see you. My man Robkey is up in here this morning. Mr. Greg Walker is up in here this morning. I am just so incredibly grateful that you have chosen to share this space and time with us. It means the absolute world to me absolute world so with that said i will hand the mic over to uh, i believe dr Rowe and i think it's william are going to be taking over for this next segment and uh yeah let's keep going awesome thank you so much i am filling in for william until he gets here so i'm just going to start with a little segment ask a few questions and he should be here in just a little bit i want you to close your eyes and think about mother Teresa. Oprah Winfrey, Kobe, and Vanessa Bryant. You can open your eyes now. Are these names familiar to you? Of course they are. Each of these people are equally brilliant, philanthropic, and beyond talented. Mother Teresa could very well be dubbed Mother Humanitarian of all time. And Oprah Winfrey's foundation was founded with the premise of making educational, financial, and leadership opportunities to become a reality for those in need. When Kobe Bryant was alive, one of his greatest accomplishments outside of playing on a basketball court was creating a foundation with his wife to feed and house the homeless. His wife, Vanessa, continues to carry the torch of paying it forward. 
Each of these amazing public figures possess the trait of leading with transcendence. What exactly is leading with transcendence, you might ask? This quality can manifest itself in a lot of ways. The classic textbook definition is experiencing something extraordinary or having a divine experience. For many, that equates to godly intervention. That is certainly true of me as well. Yet it goes a step further. In my humble opinion, transcendence includes leaders going the extra mile to ensure their company or nonprofit exceeds its mission and produces tangible change for people that are in need. By doing so, this requires authentic acceptance of whatever the circumstances you are presented with. This also takes having the bold courage and perseverance to conquer conflicts, unexpected change, and promoting exponential positive growth in others, no matter if it's mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, or emotionally. At this moment, envision Glenn Lundy, the creator of Breakfast with Champions, receiving the news that COVID-19 would alter the ability to meet. Would he just fret and resign from his position or would he be a leader of transcendence that exudes a humble presence and provides a solution of gathering online? Well, we can see the results right now, this morning, all of us sitting in this clubhouse, Breakfast of Champions Millionaire Club. Leading with transcendence is indeed beneficial. So how might you lead with transcendence? There are a lot of ways you can do all of this. You can do it in your office, at your house, and with every person you encounter. The simplest way to begin this process is to really have a solid plan. What, when, how, where, who are the key factors in developing those details? Develop a simplistic mention, one that is just 10 words. And this is what I say to any company and any person, have a personal mission and a company and a nonprofit mission. You should be able to repeat that mission like you do an elevator speech, and you don't have to rely on words. It almost sounds like a catchphrase, like McDonald's when they say, I'm loving it. My personal mission is to be a beacon to everyone I encounter, and I encourage all of you to do the same thing today and create a personal mission for yourself and put it in front of you so you can always see it. Have a strategic delivery that drives results is also essential to reach that mission. So I want you to take a look, and this is virtually, or you can write these names down so you can see these individuals who are actually mastering leading with transcendence. 10-year-old Miles Eckert, and I'm gonna spell his name because I want you guys to look at him sometime today, E-C-K-E-R-T, his name is Miles, M-Y-L-E-S. He was 10 years old and he was eating in a restaurant with his parents and saw a lieutenant colonel across the restaurant and he just simply wrote him a thank you note and put $10 in it because he wanted to pay for his meal. That one act of kindness led to him starting a nonprofit with a bunch of team members and they collected more than $10 million 
to reward other people who are in need. And he's 10 years old. Another 10 year old, Amariana Copany, and I have to spell her name out. It's M-A-R-A-I-Y-A-N-N-A. If you didn't get that spelling, DM me. Copany, C-O-P-E-N-Y. This girl is 10 years old living in Flint, Michigan, where we all saw dirty water being provided to residents who were sick and some even died. She embraced a mentor and she initiated a nonprofit that has raised more than $500,000 today. They not only give school supplies and books to people, but they also provide clean water for kids. These young people truly are leading with transcendence and we can do the same thing as adults. And last and certainly not least, Giovanni Paleri, my beloved son, 18 years old, forever in heaven, inspired me to expound on an existing nonprofit originally intended to restore the bond in families by preventing child abuse and kidnapping. I preface this with trigger warning. Giovanni took his last breaths by his own hands two Octobers ago, almost two Octobers ago. He unfortunately joined the Center for Disease and Control Statistics of a person dying by suicide every 12 minutes. Of course, it was tragic. And this led me to revise the mission of an organization I already had to strengthening minority families by preventing suicide, child abuse, and kidnapping. Hence the name, No More Crap. It's an acronym, No More Children Ripped Apart from Parents. The stigma that suicide does not exist in African-American homes continues to thrive, and it's my mission to educate and shift the mindset of every person I encounter. And it is that true joy that I put into practice every step of the way, and I encourage you to do the same, just like all these young leaders and my son who encouraged me to lead with transcendence while expounding on a nonprofit project. I implore every single person on this stage, in your home, and anyone you know to take an unusual situation in an unusual pandemic season to either volunteer at a nonprofit or start your own while fervently leading with transcendence. With that being said, I'd like to turn to question and answers of the audience, and I'm going to ask Mr. Glenn Lundy first, since he's here about this question. In the meantime, Miss Lolita, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm great. Um, can you do me a huge favor? Can you okay. help me to identify people in the audience who flashed their mics after Mr. Glenn Lundy speaks? I would have asked you earlier, but I'm just filling in now. I'm happy to. Thank you so much. So Mr. Glenn Lundy, is there an organization or a nonprofit that you are fond of that you believe is leading with transcendence? Transcendence, sorry. And if it is, can you tell us what that organization is and why you love it so much? Is Mr. Glenn Lundy there? <laughs> Uh, Glenn's out for a job. Okay. Oh, okay. So he can't even hear. All right. That's cool. So I'm going to send it to the audience. Uh, I'm sorry, to the stage and to the audience. Uh, if you can flash your marks, people that are on the stage, and we feel have, free. 
We have Paulette that is flashing her mic and then I'll continue to look after. Thanks, Paulette. Thank you. Definitely, this is Paulette speaking. So actually today, Harper and I, my four-year-old daughter, are heading over to what's called its second Harvest Heartland. And they're um, part of Feeding America, the national organization. And we're headed over there to do our check presentation of $1,000 from the funds that we raised here on Clubhouse. So that organization works so well in the community. They literally infuse themselves in the community, in everything that is happening, and in the lives and homes of people through their dinner tables or wherever they eat their meals and they provide fresh food, healthy food and sustainable food to, you know, families that are really experiencing hardship. Not only that, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, they've really done an I mean, they they've just done so many amazing things feeding families here in the Minneapolis suburb uh, and the Minneapolis and surrounding communities. So Harper and I get the opportunity to go there today to get a look at what they do. And they just got their um, uh, some some facilities to help clean and pack meals. And it's just they do so many amazing things. But I think sometimes when we think about all that's happening in the world, we forget that if people don't have food and they don't have nutrition to feed their bodies, that you can't even move right? You can't do anything. That's the feel that we need to even start the day. And so what they're doing is so amazing. And we're just so grateful and honored to be a part of that. And through our clubhouse community that we were able to raise money. Um, but that's just one organization of the very many that we love and work with. And I know Monday is Memorial Day. My husband's a veteran and we also donated $1,000 from our funds on Clubhouse to Wounded Warriors Family Support because I know the conversation yesterday was so amazing in terms of what the families go through. And that organization helps families to see the fun and the joy in life and not focus on the bad things that have happened. And it really focuses on the children. I know we talked about that yesterday, the children and the families. So those are the couple that I wanted to share. This is Paula and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Dr. O. Thank you so much. Thank your husband for his service. And also thank you guys for leading with transcendence and doing so through helping others philanthropically as well as nonprofit organizations. I appreciate it. Miss Lolita, who's next? Yes, I saw Candace flashing and then immediately after we're gonna go to Dr. Duncan. Okay, and then um, after Dr. Duncan, I just have one person um, well, two people that I'd like to highlight, and then we'll go back to questions. And that's Anna and Michael Kutcher that's on the stage. And I will um, come back to um, you guys. So I just want to cue you up to be ready for that. So go ahead, the person um, that's next. Perfect. Hi, Can good morning. Yeah. Hi, good morning. Lolita, I apologize. I was supposed to be getting back to you. You sent me a message uh, earlier this week. Um, you saw my profile, et cetera, but I've just been so busy with my kids and stuff so um, and businesses. I haven't gotten the chance, but I promise I will today. Uh, good morning, ladies. Good morning, Dr. Rowe. You're doing fabulous things. I listened to you this morning. You spoke so eloquently and beautifully. May your beautiful son rest in peace. Um, one of the organizations that I have my eye on um, is Jack and Jill of America. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's uh, I think they're doing really good things. I am not a part of the organization um, in the central New York area where I currently reside. I uh, About six months ago, I moved from Long Island, and I had my eye on them, and I know some women, uh, very instrumental, successful key figures who were a part of the organization, who were encouraging me to become a part of it. But, you know, life took over, and I just didn't. So I promised myself when I moved to central New York in the Syracuse area, I was going to 
reach out to them, which I did last week, and I spoke to, I guess, the intake person, the intake coordinator, and I really like what they're doing. They're doing a lot of amazing things for young people of color. Um, I think it's important that <clears throat> I have four children, my eldest being five, uh, my five-year-old daughter, my four-year-old son, and 15-month-old twins, and I'm pregnant with my fifth child. And I think that um, there are not a lot of resources um, out there for young young children of color uh, to really, you know, know who they are and experience their culture at um, a phenomenal level. And I think that Jack and Jill of America, through its various chapters, are really providing that stage and that platform, putting on um, through various cultural awareness activities, um, traveling programs, just amazing things that they have going on to inspire, um, you know, the youth. Now, it's predominantly, from what I understand, is that it's predominantly run and organized by mothers. So you have to, like, mothers are the ones who, um, you know, have the weekly meetings and set up, um, you know, events for the kids. But it's really, like, an amazing opportunity for kids to um, just get exposed to who they are. You know, I live in an area, and I've always lived in these areas in America where my children are not, like, exposed to much diversity in the classroom. Like, my daughter, for example, is, like, the only black in the classroom. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. By no means am I racist. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think, you know, that can have an effect on, on them um, as they get older, not knowing who they are. And so, as a parent, it's important for me to let my children know that, who you are and um, that there are resources and that there are groups and that there are organizations who can help foster that. You know, she performed, my daughter performed last night. Um, she did her solo at um, a big dance competition. And, you know. You're cutting out. Um, I'm not sure if you're driving or in a bad area. Girl that looks like her and other races as well. So I apologize. Um, but, um, yeah, I just think it's just important that children, you know, whatever race they are, they just know who they are. And so you have these amazing organizations that some don't know about. A lot of people don't know about them where, you know, kids can come together and can be around people who look like them. And I think that representation is important because what I try to instill in my kids, you know, as, as young as they are, I let them know that learning evolves outside of the classroom. You know, a big component of learning is just not what she's learning in her kindergarten class right now. You know, it's, you know, what she does as a hobby and who she's exposed to outside of the classroom, albeit through sports, music, whatever, um, she, you know, we put her in. So I just wanted to mention the organization. Um, I am going to be getting involved. I think when I spoke to the lady, <clears throat> excuse me, um, last week, she said that they were coming to their year end, so they were slowing down at the moment, but they were going to be picking up back in, like, August, September. But it's definitely an organization that I know women, um, very successful women in, in Long Island, New York, uh, were a part of, and really uh, you could see the benefits with their kids. So... Uh, moving to the central New York area, I really wanted to be a part of that organization. And let's see where it goes. They're called Jack and Jill of America. My name is Candice. Uh, you can follow me. I'm new to Clubhouse, so I'm still trying to figure out how this all works. But I'm really here to, um, you know, network, meet some amazing people, 
And um, I'm an aspiring podcast uh, host and author. I have a lot of things to write about. So let's connect. Follow me. I'll follow you back, and we can talk. Please send me messages. Um, and my Instagram is wavequeen6. I, I, it's in my profile. Thank you so much, Clubhouse. Thank you so much. Yes, welcome to Clubhouse, Candice. Yes, and thank you. And, and and we appreciate you highlighting Jack and Jill. It is a um, well-known organization within the African-American community. I'm not sure if others know outside of it, but they do some amazing, amazing things. And thank you for highlighting that. And anybody that wants Absolutely. to know about it, yes, please look that up. So thank you, Candice. Uh, one of You're my really guests... Welcome. Thank you. One of my guests has to pop out. So I'm just going to cut in line just for a couple seconds and then go right back to your list, uh, Lolita. Thank you so much. Um, I, When we talk about leading with transcendence, as we did, and that's shining brightly, I wanted to highlight um, Anna. And Michael came in earlier. But I have to say this because no one really that that is leading with transition or transcendence gives so that they can get something back. They do it because it's from the heart. And after Michael and I held our event Saturday to raise awareness of organ donation, we weren't expecting anything but people to come in and register. And we received the message shortly after from Anna, who's on the stage with a pink background, uh, maybe six, seven rows down. And she said, I'd like to do something special. And I just want to do this so that I can uh, keep your son's name alive so that I can honor Michael and also so that I can help students. So what she did was offer a scholarship and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to choke. I promised myself this today. She offered a scholarship to in Giovanni's name to a student and she offered a scholarship in Michael's name to another student. And she had me come and accept the award a few days ago, maybe a, four days ago. Well, while we were in her room, a celebrity was in there and that celebrity matched her donation to this scholarship. And that is what leading with transcendence is. That is what keeping that bright light shining for students is. And I am just so grateful that you, um, Anna, are allowing that leadership to continue to shine um, and allowing me as a mom who is grieving my son to hear his name forever and ever because I don't get to hear it unless someone else has his name. But I wanted to honor you first and give Michael a chance to say thank you to you and then have you speak a little bit about your organization and then we'll go back in queue. So Michael, are you there? I am here, thank you, Rowan and Anna. Um... Thank you. I, I, you know, when when Ro and I set up this this room on Saturday, we had no idea. We had no idea the impact that it would make and the lives that it would would potentially save. And there's a ton of people in this room because uh, they all started here with Breakfast with Champions. And there's a ton of people in this room to thank. And um, I'm forever grateful for the platform that was given to us and Anna for your um, you going over and beyond and feeling that and, and wanting to to give back further. Um, I truly appreciate that. I know as Rose said um, and, and Gino's name as well. So I appreciate what you've done. Um, and it's a true it's just a true sign of, of people giving from the heart. 
and um, with, with nothing to receive for it, just wanting to give back to other people. And for many of you that have heard me speak, I strongly believe that when we give, we receive. So, Anna, once again, thank you for what um, for your impact and your contributions, and thank you to everyone for your continued support. And Ro, um, you're a great friend, and uh, I appreciate everything that you've done, and uh, we're going to keep going. So thank you. Thank you so much, Michael, and um, I appreciate you as well and everybody on the stage. And just before Anna speaks, I just want to let people know, because of Breakfast with Champions and all of you family on this stage and people beyond, this has grown bigger than we could ever imagine. There's things that are happening that we can't speak about right now. But I can tell you that this campaign continues to grow and we're going to reach 5,000 before Gino's birthday, September 15th. That'll, he would have been 20, his second year in heaven. And so that landing page you have still lives on. Put it on your website or put it on your uh, profiles, please share it. We've made it simpler. All you have to do is put Michael and Gino, the number four, life.com, and that will contain the landing page as well. So Michael and Gino for the number four, life.com. It's on my profile as well, or you can go to my Instagram and get to it shortly. But it's, it's, I'm just so ecstatic and I'm thankful to Glenn Lundy for having house us for this philanthropic effort. And I appreciate you so much. With that, Anna, go ahead and um, accept your flowers, young lady. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Rowe. I'm, I'm so moved. I'm actually the one who's going to cry. And Michael, thank you so much uh, also for all that you both are doing. I've been so moved by both of you. I actually, it happened that the day that you announced, uh, I mean, the, the Saturday when you had this incredible celebration of Gino's life and Michael's life and his legacy. Uh, it was my anniversary of having come to the United States of America, May 22nd. And I was sitting there and I take those four days. I left Lebanon on the 19th of May, just very quickly. I grew up in orphanages in war-torn Lebanon. I was destined for a second grade level education, told I'd never amount to anything, even though I was the first in my class and I skipped, made the nuns, literally, I say made the nuns skip me four or five grades, told that I could never amount to anything. And I've even experienced indentured servitude, living in an attic that was to come to America as a young teen, Myself with 160 bucks convinced the priest to pay for my ticket and told that I'd be a homeless, you know, end up homeless or a prostitute and refusing to accept that. And I put myself jumping again uh, at UCLA. I went to UCLA, put myself through UCLA. It was not an easy road and received the highest honor, the only student highlighted at graduation in front of 12,000 students. Looks like she got moved to the audience. Someone moved her to the audience by accident, maybe. Go ahead. Anna. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. No problem. It happens. Okay, so I was saying that um, when I came to America initially, um, and I put myself through UCLA, I came to the US with two books, one on Harvard Business School, one on Reagan. I didn't know anything about politics. And I had the honor, honor of interning for President Reagan was going to UCLA in the late 90s. And uh, I skipped, just to remind everybody, like four or five grades. So I was ahead of the other students. 
in terms of my age. And I wanted to really go work for Goldman Sachs as an investment banker. I wanted to become a billionaire and be able to write those big checks. We're talking about writing checks this morning to nonprofits, but God would have it a different way. I got introduced to our inner cities while I was doing, uh, while I was going to UCLA and I got involved with AmeriCorps at the time, the Domestic Peace Corps of President Clinton. And they stole my heart, the inner city, South Los Angeles, known at the time as South Central, working at the Jordan Downs housing project, working at the Nickerson Gardens, working, working in Pico Union. And given, um, yes, I'm part Armenian, part Lebanese, and I was never, I say, when I came in Lebanon, I was not Armenian enough, and I was not Lebanese enough. And I came to America, I was not white enough, and I was not anything, but guess what? I adopted everybody and everybody adopted me back. So I'm African-American, Latina, Asian, Caucasian, all of them. And I've adopted this idea that, you know, I felt in my heart that God called me to impact the lives of young people. And perhaps because I was so young, I felt that the kids could relate to me. And sure enough, it happened to be so. So I've dedicated my life the, for the past 20 years through the Academy of Business Leadership. I've had over 140,000 kids go through our programs. And my philosophy from the beginning was these kids are our stakeholders. They're assets they're not liabilities they can contribute to society just like i had so much inside of me and it's just a matter of shifting our paradigm and how we see them and my offices the nonprofit that i was hired into my first job out of ucla after doing a governor's executive fellowship speech writing for the attorney general was inside southern california edison in their corporate headquarters and so basically the philosophy we adopted that I adopted and just basically brought the board on board and everybody is to how do we focus on helping the kids heal on the inside first as we prepare them. So inner transformation, as we prepare them for college, as we prepare them for careers, as we prepare them to build wealth, you know, we do summer transform, uh, summer business and leadership institutes, summer transformation at USC, UCLA, all the Cal States, Loyola Marymount University. And I've even been invited to teach at Harvard University where I've served as the youngest person on the Harvard Women's leadership board as we prepare these kids to become philanthropists. And let me tell you, Dr. Rowe, you said something so powerful this morning that I was able to catch you. The idea that every 12 minutes somebody kills themselves. And I don't have those statistics for young people, but it breaks my heart. And you got to hear from one of our scholars, we call them scholars, Steve, who spoke when I presented you in front of everyone with what we're planning on doing, that he, at the age of eight, was planning on killing himself at the age of eight because he was bullied by other kids and i believe this young man is so so talented and how do we bring these resources to our people there is a way the first principle is to show up with love as an organization to show up with nurturing and that is the premise of what we do now in terms of what i'm doing what i would like to do for your son and his memory i was so moved by what you're doing and by gino's legacy in that, that he had the presence of mind to donate or you know sign that box check that box that he would donate all his organs that in his death he was able to save the lives of 73 uh, people it to me that is what leadership is about and that is what we're encouraging now i understand we're not celebrating here you know gino did what he could he the best he could because of where he was at and there's a way to present this and focusing on his legacy and michael and Dr. Rowe, what you guys are doing, keeping his legacy alive. I mean, for the past 420 days, I wanted to train kids just for about 21 days on March 15th. And then COVID hit. And I've been training kids every single day for the past 420 days. I give them assignments. And on Sunday, I meet with them for two to three hours to make sure that their mental health is safeguarded. I'm happy to say that my kids 
are healthy, that they're functioning, not only functioning, actually, they're thriving. I wish that for all the kids in our country and the world. And so many kids are struggling and all of us, need, we need to step up. All of us, every single one of us, we can do so much. You could pick up a call. I don't mean to preach here, but, and just volunteer. Yes, money is important, but also volunteering is so important, being a role model for a young person. So I'm proud and honored to present uh, two scholarships in your son's name, Dr. Rowe, in Gino's name, and another scholarship in the name of Michael to two scholars. And on top of that, we're going to present, and I will be presenting you with a certificate. So we will be doing that. We could discuss that offline. I'm also going to give a scholarship, an extra college scholarship for $1,000 for each kid. And I'm so excited to share that we're aiming to have about 1,000 kids this summer go through our virtual programs. We're still doing virtual because most of our, actually all, well, most of our programs were done inside uh, college campuses. Every summer, we do like Monday through Friday, literally seven week long programs every single day at USC, UCLA and others. So we'll be doing a virtual program. So I'll be inviting you. And I'm really excited to be able to help not only just give those scholarships, but talk about his legacy of giving and encourage all of our students and their parents to consider becoming uh, giving donors of organs. I mean, of course, we wish everybody a long, happy life but I'm going to continue reverberating this message because it is so needed and it is so needed to inspire young people to step up and even adults to step up. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak. I'm Anna and I'm complete for now. Thank you so much, Anna. We appreciate you. We honor you and Gino smiling from heaven. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. You're very welcome, Michael and Dr. Rowe. It's my pleasure. And if I may just share, I'm launching something really exciting helping uh, we're doing it with about 30 kids each kid will be raising hundred thousand dollars for college doing the same thing the way i did it coming from orphanages in lebanon so that they don't have to worry about money when they go to college so if you have any kids you want to nominate them please dm me thank you so much thank you for leading with transcendence we appreciate you miss lolita who is next Yes, so this is great. As Dr. Rowe chats with us on leading with transcendence, the question is what organizations are you working with or what are you doing to go over and beyond, right? This transcendence that she's been talking about this morning. So that's the question. And I think next we had Dr. Duncan and then I saw Regina blinking. Dr. Duncan, are you still there? Okay. Well, Dr. Duncan can come back. Next, we'll go ahead and go to Regina. Are you still there, Regina? You were blinking earlier, Regina in the black. And for I, anyone I, else, oh, I there you are. Renee, I see Renee and Dale also blinking. Perfect. Well, let's go ahead and go over to Renee and then we'll go to Dale. Renee, you're up. Okay, and thank you so very much. And Dr. Rowe, alongside with the entire beautiful family, I mean, we're just doing such an amazing job in regarding to pouring out into these organizations. And thank you also, Ms. Anna, for sharing your heart as well as being so diligent in this space. I'm, I would say, you know, being in the space that for just giving back in nonprofit organizations, one of the great groups that we work alongside with, um, it's been about 11 years now, is Future Seekers. Future Seekers is not only an organization that pour their, um, their programs out for the underrepresented um, students, they have an academic program that provides um, advancements for academics alongside with technical um, technology, so um, social, um, I'm sorry, 
technology, there we go, sorry about that guys, alongside with being able to help the young men as well as young girls to have mentors as well as leaders to come and pour into them. I've had the privilege as well as the pleasure of being able to work with this organization for 11 years and 11 years now, I, it's amazing to see how they have grown. Every year we work with about a hundred students, girls and boys. And man, let me tell you, these guys after this program, it's an eight weeks program and we're getting ready to kick it off again in June. It's amazing to see how they have continues to evolve. It's actually their age group is from 13 to the age of 18. And with it, these kids have just, it's so important for us to just really provide them with a mentor so they're far they can look up to. And with that, we've been able to um, pour in so much of just the leadership as well as just putting them in the lime side. I mean, in the limelight of being able to get opportunities of work as well as technical school. And also we're pouring in with them financial literacy and every year they have an amazing extravaganza. So Future Seekers is one of the organizations that I'm so grateful um, to work with because of the young because of the youth. And then Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's Center is one of the other organizations. My father, um, he passed away last year, um, unfortunately due to Alzheimer's um, disease. And with the Alzheimer's Association has been an amazing organization. We've actually walked with the organization as well as just being able to build the awareness for our seniors We've partnered up with two farms in the Atlanta area. So we provide them with food as well as we provide them with amazing, you know, produce to make sure that the seniors are eating healthy as well as we provide them with health care packages. So um, the Alzheimer's Center is located in the Morrow area, but at the same token, we work alongside with also the national organization with the Alzheimer's Association. And I'm Renee Noor, and I'm sharing this information with you all. So I'm just grateful to be in a space to continue on paying it forward and helping. Next month, we're going to be doing a full 24-hour day just for nonprofit organizations, and it's going to take place on the 11th, June 11th. We're going to be featuring um, Fashion for Cause. So any organization that is really in need just to get their organization out, that's what we're going to be promoting and supporting them during that time, June 11th, and that's going to be with the Global Women Wealth Warriors Organization. I'm Renee Noor, and I'm complete. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you so much, Renee, for sharing that invaluable information and for being philanthropic and for leading with transcendence. You've shown us all and path that, uh, paved the path for all of us. So thank you so much. You rock. I just wanted to thank Anna. She's so beautiful and I love you. And that is just one of the many reasons why I love you and thank you for being here. Honey, thank you so much. And thank you for pinging me up. And Dr. Ro, I so love you and appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Miss Lolita, back to you. Yes, absolutely. Listen to all these organizations we've heard this morning. Jack and Jill of America, Future Seekers. Anna is knocking doors down to create um, scholarships in Gino's name. That's amazing. Alzheimer's Center. It's just so much. It's, it's going the Academy. On. Sorry if I may say it's the Academy of Business Leadership. Thank you so oh, much. I love it. That is excellent. Thank you for that clarification. And next we had Dale. Hey, Lalina, you absolute champion and everyone else on and off the stage. Thank you so much. 
and so kindly for inviting me up. For me, I am leading a project called the Young Life Warrior Project. My experience was teaching. I was teaching kids for over 12 years. I've been coaching kids for over 20. And I just fell out of love with the education system. That's not to say that I fell out of love with certain teachers or certain consortiums. It was just the way that it was being delivered over here in the UK. By the way, I'm in the UK, the other side of the pond from you guys, if you couldn't tell by the accent. And I just want to say that I had to get out of my own way to help out as many kids thrive on this planet. So the Young Life Warrior Project is all about helping children thrive on this planet. And it's I'm so proud of myself and so proud of every single child because we've actually managed to get a partnership with Nike as well. And Nike are going to be helping out too. We've got some stores over here in rugby where I live, small town but making big changes. And I just think that to lead with transcendence, that's that's such an amazing thing that not many people, certainly not schools, have the time to explore and quantify. So for me, I really champion children that focus on acceptance, self-acceptance and self-actualization to get to that higher state. Because I often believe that if we look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the foundational levels is obviously the basic needs, but the top is self actualization and even what I believe should be added upon that is transcendence I think it's so important to put others first and we focus on legacy I have made it my absolute abundant mission to help as many children thrive on this planet by helping their younger generation so it's everlasting so it impacts even further going into schools and helping out older kids to coach older children to mentor younger kids so they have a sense of self-satisfaction self-appreciation self-deserving and the younger kids have an element of safety and and an element of security and to do that we have to enhance their courage i often say to kids guys and girls courage has a little brother and his name is fear so we can blast through the doors of fears we're going to gain our courage and gain our place on this planet but not have that place limit us because we're going to shoot for the stars and thrive and do everything we possibly can to help those around us to help us so i just want to say thank you so much for allowing me this space i don't want to take up too much time because there are so many amazing amazing champions on this stage larita i love you to pieces honey i love you to pieces Anna, I love you to pieces. Even though she's on a call right now, I'll send her a message. And I'm going to yield the mic back to you, my lovely ladies. Thank you so much, Dale. That was amazing. Uh, just a, That was like a, a two-minute masterclass for all of us, everything you said. I thank you for leading with Transcendence, literally, and showing us the way to do so. So we have about 12 minutes left. Uh, we're at the top of the hour before... Um, I believe we'll, the, it, the room ends, right? Is that right, Alpha? It ends at 11? Sure yeah, does. It at 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay, wonderful. Yeah, I'm one that likes to be on time. So um, so we have about, a, I would say, 11 minutes left for questions because we'll wind down from there. So if others can flash your mics, uh, Miss Lolita will identify you and we'll let you talk about how you're leading with Transcendence or a organization you're involved with or you have one that you can share with us so that we can learn more about it. So flash your mics. Oh, I'll flash Alpha. right next to you. Okay, wonderful. Go ahead, Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do not have an organization. However, I have my voice. And with this voice, I choose to uplift. I choose to see what is good in life. I choose to see the principles that anybody can apply 
to achieve whatever they wish in this life, right? Uh, my grandmother, God bless her soul, she's 86 years old. She passed away on last Friday and she is okay. Why? Because in life, she lived a great life. She raised seven children. She lived, she married one man. She stayed with that man her entire life. She helped us all. She had the best sweet potato pie in the world. And now she is where she is. And I'm still here. Here to be a great ancestor to the future. Here to be a great father to my own. And here to say, even if those we love leave our side, we must remain here and do the work that we are here to do and let them be where they are because this is our time and they were here for a time. And I don't question God even about my grandmother, about nobody at all, because we only have so much time to do this thing. And part of transcending is saying, even before I leave this world, I already let that part of life go in full acceptance that that's just a part of the, that's part of the mission, you know? Like they say in Mission Impossible, this is your mission, mission if you so choose to accept it. We accepted it by coming here. Now what we do today, because it is Friday, right? Friday, the sun is shining here in California, finally, been up since yesterday. And it's gonna be a beautiful day. We're gonna watch some movies today. We're gonna get some work done. Oh, sun tricked me. It's a little gray outside. I see it coming through the blinds. Either way, on this Friday, as we leave Breakfast with Champions, we've heard so many amazing things. We got so many insights. Let's choose at least three to five. I'll say three. Let's say three because it's Friday, right? And go crush it. Go apply it to something you know, something you love, to your life. Sit under a tree and meditate. Sit on the beach and feel the breeze. Listen to the ocean breeze. Do whatever you love. Do something you love today for no other reason than you are here, you are alive, and this is now. Back to you, Ro. Love it. Alpha Six, always dropping that truth with grace nuggets. I love it, love it, love it. And we thank you for shining your light, leading with transcendence, even with your voice. That's amazing. Miss Lolita, who is yes. yes, we have Lewis up next. Lewis, we'd love to hear from you on how you're leading with transcendence or have an organization to shout out. Hey, first, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Rowe for uh, communicating with me on here, wherever she is, I sure to go. So I've been led to like some positive uh, experiences on here. And I want to say thank you to Vernita for helping me uh, sort of navigate my way towards positivity on here. And it was my dream to always get on the stage and here I am. So my mother has a organization that I'm involved with called Gigasom. And Gigasom is actually my grandmother's name, Georgia Gregory Interdenominational Music School. It's been in Philadelphia for 20 years. And my mother started playing the organ in her church at three years old. And she still is the organist at her church in uh, Philadelphia. So it was always my mother's, when my grandmother died, you know, my mother's the only child. So was she, you know, she's, you know how it is to lose a mother. So, so she started to school 20 years ago in my grandmother's name. Um, and you know, she's, it's, it's it's real rough, you know, when you're trying to start a nonprofit like this, because there's so many, <clears throat> she's in a neighborhood where there's a lot of gentrification. And my mother, she's like in her 70s, so she doesn't know how to do everything. And I'm really busy. So I try to help her, but she just, she just needs help. Like, like she, I'm not, it's not even money. It's just, she just wants to retire one day and she needs people on her board and 
she has fundraisers. And if I can just tell you the school, uh, they teach music lessons to kids in the inner city and, you know, little girls and um, little boys. It's, it's a lot of little girls though, who would normally not be able to afford to take dance lessons or learn how to play the drums or learn how to play the cello and things of that nature. So I seen my mother do this for like 20 years, you know, in a, in a neighborhood where a lot of people forgot about these kids because uh, a lot of the kids, some of them have emotional issues. Their parents have issues, but my mother, she hangs in there with them. And, you know, this, this music school gives my mother life and keeps her, keeps her going and whatnot, because this is like her life dream was to always help little kids like the church did for her. So um, just to give you some success stories, there uh, was one little boy who was in her program who is now um, an engineer, and he went to the University of Penn. Um, and there's a lot of success stories like that, you know, kids that went to her school. You know, and it's, and it's not like the most organized situation there, you know, but, but she does the best she can. So uh, I know my mother, if she was like a part of club clubhouse, she would she would tell you all about it, but I just want to let you all know if you have uh, any interest at all in helping kids in the inner city in Philadelphia, you know, uh, through this school called Gigasom, I, I don't really know exactly what she needs, but she's always asking me, do you know people that work at corporations where if they make a, you know, a donation, their company and match it, or, you know, hey, she needs somebody on her board or she needs people to help her with social media, little things like that. Cause she's 75 years old and she, you know, she's trying to keep up, but you know, uh, she, she's having trouble keeping up and I'm, I'm down here in DC, she's in Philly. So I'm helping her as much as I can, but her link is in my bio and it's called Gigasom. And I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen it. She's helping all these little kids play instruments. And, and, and then I know the benefit of playing, you know, it helps these kids with concentration and it's almost like therapy for some of these kids, but it's a good experience for them. And a lot of them are going on to college, but it's like a little school connected to a church. And I just think she thinks people don't care. <laughs> you know, I now, now we, you, we all know that that's not true. But my mother just thinks that people really just don't care and whatnot. So, you know, if if, if any of you, you know, just, you know, I, I, left, I left her link just to, even if you just said hello and look at some of her videos and just encourage her, that would be enough. She doesn't need your money or anything like that. She just needs encouragement. So thank you, Vernita and Dr. Rowe, for uh guiding me towards uh, positive experiences on Clubhouse. Thank you. You're so welcome, Lewis, and big hugs and support to your mom. And I know many will reach out to her just to show her that love as a seasoned woman who simply needs the human connection of love. So thank you for leading with Transcendence on that and sharing your organization. Ms. Lolita, do we have the last couple of people? Yes, I see we only have about five more minutes left. And so I see Tamara and I saw Mello. So if we have time and can squeeze it, but I saw Tamara and I saw Mello. Hey, Tamara, good morning. Hello, good to see you guys, hear your voices. I've been a little bit MIA here with intention though. Alignment is always critical. Um, but yeah, I, I love this conversation. I think it's so necessary that in any, you know, mission-driven 
heart-centered person, which I believe every single one of us is in some way, shape, or form, there should be a, an organization that you align with. There should be people that you align with. Um, pouring in as even just an individual to individual, supporting families one-to-one. -one. Um, it doesn't always have to be these massive organizations for it to make a massive impact. And that's something I definitely wanted to showcase even as Lewis was talking. I think it's amazing that he was like, you know what, it's not necessarily about the money. We know wealth is driven in so many different ways, and it could just be the words of affirmation that um, continue somebody's journey in their mission. Uh, for me specifically, our team is pouring into someone locally who actually just gained her wings as well. Um, and it was my first entrepreneurial job uh, by doing face painting for what is called Spectrum Puppets. And it is the organization that all 10% of tidings will go for the conference that we're hosting, the Kingdom Clubhouse Conference in October. Um, it's in my bio if you're interested. A lot of the amazing Breakfast with Champions mods will be speaking live in person so you can hug our necks and also experience virtually. Um, but this organization literally was started just from a woman's idea. Uh, and her idea was that she wanted to see children have an outlet to be able to say no. And that's really the heartbeat behind it. Just say no. And this is all around child abuse. And so she, through her art, and this is where it's so amazing, you get to use all of your gifts and talents to lead mission-driven, um, purpose-activated experiences for people. She makes life-size puppeteers, um, and they're literally these amazing dolls, and she goes to elementary schools around our area, and they put on these life-size puppeteer, and they partner with the police precincts, and the police precincts are present when they do these, and it allows children the phrase and the words and the confidence to come out about the fact of what's happening to them at home. Um, all of them have to have a signature on a piece of paper before they come to this experience experience at school. Um, however, we've put to this date uh, over 300 people behind bars just in our city alone. And so my heart is to see this mission go global because I know how much impact it's had in the homes and hearts of people here. Um, but it's called Spectrum Puppets. And as Regina claimed her wings literally just a couple of weeks ago, um, almost in parallel and tandem to when my Nana did, I have just reignited the fire and understanding that one in four girls and one in seven boys experience sexual abuse by the time they're 18 years old. That's 10%, which are child victims, and only 93% of the victims um, are able to, to, they know their abuser. That's the scary part, right? To know that 93% of these children know the person abusing them and they have no ability to formulate words or have a safe space to come out about it. And so um, that's really what I want to give people this experience of freedom. And I love to bleed joy everywhere I go. And I know joy is hindered when there's things like this happening, especially in your home. Um, so Spectrum Puppets is who I would love to illuminate. Um, and you can see and hear all about it on the website for the conference. So thanks for the time and the space, Ro. And I always love your mission-driven heart. Thanks. I just love you, Tamara. I love your selfless heart, your servant leadership. Thank you for highlighting those statistics on something that is sometimes often swept under the rug. Thanks for being a champion for children and for leading with transcendence. We truly appreciate you. Any more time, Lolita, for one more or should we wrap? Um, it's only two more minutes. Melo, if you had something super quick and then I know folks, we value folks' time. Melo might not be there anymore. Melo, you ready? Okay. Well, Dr. Rowe, you want to go ahead and wrap up? Yes, sure. So guys, thank you so much this morning for 
sitting with us at the table of Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Breakfast Club. We enjoy every single person here. We adore you. We love you and we embrace you. And we give thanks not only to God, but to Glenn Lundy himself, the creator of Breakfast with Champions. We would not be here without his vision. And it is so great to see him right at the top leading with transcendence. And I would hope that all of us do the same. I still give you that mission. You don't have to send it to me, but I'm just going to pray that each of you have a personal mission of your own that is less than 10 words and make sure that you are putting that at the forefront on a sticky in your car, wherever it is, and say it every day. If you haven't joined this club yet, click on the green house above Alpha 6 and Bernita's head and join this club. It is amazing. You'll hear amazing speakers, guests, people with all kinds of topics that are not talked about on this club and only in this house. We appreciate your philanthropic heart. Please follow everyone that is next to you, somebody that resonated with you. Become friends with them. Don't just you know, sit and watch a follow, but DM them. They might not get back to you for a couple of days, but do that, become friends, make that human connection, and all of you continue leading with transcendence. With that, I'm gonna ask Alpha to count us down since he has an amazing voice on five. And at that point, we will close down the room. Thank you, Lolita, for all of your help. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, this has been Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Breakfast Table. Wave goodbye to your friends because we are leaving this space and going into the world to do amazing things. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.